Welcome back, folks, to yet another episode. This is going to be episode 111 of the Snooze and Booze mm. Pod- yeah. Podcast. As you can tell, we're already fucked up. No, that's not true. Uh, we're our own guests today, so. We're our own guests. We're doing an old school episode for you today. We had, uh, we have another, we have, uh, what's next week? It's uh, Rick and Eric. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have our, another movie-themed episode. We'll be, uh, we always, I always been like, I fiend for these, like, man, I want to talk movies again. I wanna, those, you know. are, those are good. And uh, I think the one that got me rolling on the train was uh, one of the greatest movies is getting made into a movie. One of the worst movies is getting made mm-hmm. into the room, The Disaster Artist, based on the book, The Disaster Artist. I was just re-listening to the podcast, How Did This Get Made, when they did The Room. And they had the guy who wrote the book, who was Mark. The guy, the actor that played Mark. Search, was it Search something? Uh, search Tankian, you're oh, right. Okay. Yes, no, of course I don't. Know. Uh, no, um, whoever well, the guy who played Mark, yeah, on, yeah. in the room, oh, he wrote Mark. the book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he wrote the book, The Disaster Artist, which is what the film James Franco's film is based on. And the trailer came out for it, and that's why I was kind of getting like, oh shit, I'm pumped. Give me one quick second. Greg's uh, Stero. There's a good. That's the name, right? Yeah. Uh, there you guys have it. Search Tankian from <laughs> Search yeah. Tankian from System of a System of the Downs. I don't know. No, what you call it? So they they had this clip where that scene that you know the <laughs> I did not hit her. I did not. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. You know that oh, scene. Hi, Mark. Did you see that clip? I think I sent that to you too. Honestly, you didn't see it. Like, well, like in the article that I barely found yeah. today. Yeah. Like, all times, uh, Literally. A- okay. So this. <laughs> okay. So Low sends like group text because you know we're always talking about this movie. It's infamous, right? You know the room, and Low sends the trailer, and he's like, oh, and I was like. I have to literally go back into our text history <laughs> as a July July eighth, I think, or July, uh, yeah, July eighth mm-hmm. or eighteenth, yeah, July eighteenth was when the when I sent you the actual trailer when it first came out, and I was like, God damn it, love this ten days ago, and I was wondering like, I because I really thought after the trailer you'd be like, oh what, you know, something like that. I got no reaction from you, so I was like, oh what, the, oh oh well, I guess. Well, because like the videos, like when you send them at work, yeah. I can't really hear them. Yeah, like, I always send myself, I'll, like, I'll listen to it later, but I always end up forgetting. Mm. It's usually when you send them when I'm home, and that's that's when like I'm just like I just like, going through whatever. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> damn, if I had I had I known, like I think YouTube needs to like have like um, instead of just having like the weird addresses, like the links. Yeah, it should have like a little like you know like sometimes when you like uh, in Snapchat for example. Yeah. When you send somebody a link, like it, it'll send the link, but it'll have like the the title for it. it I, so actually, I don't know it. why. I think it's between other because between other iPhone users, mm-hmm. the the video with the uh, thumbnail will pop up. Oh, okay. And and actually, you can play the video without blowing it up, so it'll play in the thumb. But I think between like you know a Android and and a oh iPhone, okay, it's because they're not compatible. It it only pop up as the link. You know, damn, real think, salty. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I was like, God damn, I don't know. I've been talking about this. Like, I, I'm surprised we haven't brought it up yet. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there's a clip of the making of that specific scene. So there's a little two minute scene of James Franco playing Tommy Wiseau, doing it like a, taking like a hundred takes to get that scene <laughs> right. And um, you know how bad that scene is, right? The bad <laughs> acting. Well, that's the best one they had because <laughs> the rest <laughs> of them are so much worse. So it's it's a great scene. I'll send it to you. I'll reset it to you. But uh, he's doing like, uh, what's the line again? What's, no, the, what's line? the line? What's the line? line? And, and then finally he gets it he, as as it is in the movie. And everyone's just like, yeah. yeah! <laughs> it's the it's best. Like super <laughs> like, it really makes you like, no wonder they can't. Dude, the movie would not make sense unless you've seen the movie. If you watch the Disaster Artist film before you watch The Room, you're going to think like, 
you're gonna I, I you're gonna think like oh man I want to see I want I wish this was a real movie I want to see it. you know that's what yeah, it, that's yeah, what yeah, go yeah. through your head you know it's that <laughs> bad because it's it's oh, almost like how they how could they purposely make it that bad you know and Tommy Wiseau is very delusional like I don't know if it's delusions of grandeur uh, or maybe. or just uh, <laughs> he's living in some kind of land where he doesn't know he's bad that kind of thing you know. That Trump world, a, right? That ego <laughs> where he doesn't know he's wrong, that kind like of thing. Like uh, like alternate Biff universe, right? right like you're back right. To the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just meant more in his head. Like you know, when you uh, when have you ever gotten an argument with somebody and you you prove them wrong, but they think they won the argument? You know what I'm talking about? You're like really? Uh, I'm like yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it always happens because they it ends with oh, all right, well, let's just agree to disagree. I'm like oh, buddy, what? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like the little tagline at the bottom. It looks really like him too. This teaser is terrible. Tear me apart, at least. <laughs> it looks he he did a good job on the uh, the, the makeup. Yeah, because the... it's subtle, but it's there. You know, enough to be like, what the fuck? Because enough to make you question if it's James Franco or not, but enough to be like, oh yeah, that's great. It looks just like Tommy Wiseau. Remember, like I got the um, like an email saying you know they needed extras. That's like, right. We movie. talked about them on the podcast. Yeah. Damn. Imagine, dude. That would have been pretty cool to be a part of that. That would have been great, yeah. Oh, oh hi, Mark. Live and learn. Yeah. I haven't seen the It trailer yet, though. I, oh, the new one? is yeah. tight, yeah. Oh, obviously, you know, Tommy's like, Dad, you want to watch oh, it? You know, that yeah. kind of shit, yeah. It, it looks really good. Uh, I got to ask him. So I think it's, I'm assuming, close to Halloween. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, pretty soon. Should be know. a good one. Stranger Things comes out around that time. Are you a fan of the... Yeah, I just started watching it, like, maybe, like, two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, like, because usually, like, again, you know, like, when everything, something gets really hyped up. Miss it, right? Yeah. uh, Yeah, thanks. I'll get it when it's not the hyped up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started watching it. It's like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, it is. I I, I quite enjoyed it myself. Yeah. It was one of the ones that, there's very few movies that literally everybody of my family specifically can hit it. Tom, Gwen, and, and Jackie. Yeah. Because uh, there's like obviously the horror movies, Gwen doesn't not into that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously the little indie flicks, Tommy's not into that shit. <laughs> and indie horror. Like even like Always Sunny, me and the kids love Always oh, Sunny. Okay. Jackie's not really that into it. You oh, know? So okay. it's like there's always at least one of us missing. Stranger Things happens to be one of those things where like Gwen loves eighties for some reason. I don't know why, but she loves eighties movies. So the Stranger Things is hitting in that aspect. The horror aspect is obvious for oh, Tommy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and me, me and Jackie are digging it. So for whatever reason, this one's hitting all four of us at the same time. You know, oh, so. nice. So it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So excited. Uh-huh. The one I, I uh, I've been rewatching is Cheers. Been hmm. doing Cheers again. It's like the OG Always Sunny. You know the oh, bar no way, setting. Man, it's 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 funny, man. No, it's, it's good. I remember. I keep forgetting how good it was, and I do, I remember I liked it a lot. I remember that was the only few well, when I was growing up, one of the very few old people shows that I liked. Oh, yeah. I watched it because that's my dad's like show. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah so, I guess he's like a big Ted Danson fan. Because did you ever see Becker? Yeah, I used to watch Becker. Yeah, like, that one's also really funny too. It's great. That, that really one's subtle. I think that was on two or four. I don't remember. I just remember he would like DVR. Or I something. just remember the blind black guy on deck uh, on on Becker was one of the teachers from Boy Meets World, and I always remember like, oh, I want, I always wondered what happened to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I just saw him recently on an episode of The Flash. Hmm. The Flash. Yeah. Oh, the new uh, um, Justice League trailer. Also. <sighs> All right, let's go through the Comic Con things since we do sometimes touch on things comic related, like uh. Three big trailers came out. Two of them were released. One of them I had to get one of those sneak peeks to. Oh, okay. Because they didn't release it fully. They only released it for Comic-Con. And it was the Infinity War trailer. Oh, which yeah. Which fucking 
looks great. I mean, I saw it on a shitty, you know, obviously the leaked footage, and it looked like, oh, it got me lying, like, oh, you know, I jizz, <laughs> I jizz in my uh, Thor pants, you know. Thor pants. Well, the ra- Thor, the Thor Ragnarok new trailer that came out. Did you see that one? The new one? Yeah. No, no, I didn't see it's the new one. really, really. Good. It focuses more between like the Hulk and Thor's friendship. Okay. It's really tight. Man, I cannot get over how stunning uh, Kate Blanchett looks. And I know you were—you always liked her, right? You've always yeah, thought she was like a—for me, she was always kind of hit or miss. Because sometimes she looks good, sometimes she she really doesn't like do it for me. Yeah, I like her as Bob Dylan, man. Yeah, I seen. You know that movie's pretty good. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I I, I know it was her. Uh, it was Tilda Swinton, right? She also Tilda played Swinton. a version of him. Did she? Oh, um, that that was oh uh, fuck. Well, I think she. No wait, I think that was Kate Blanchett. And I'm, no, I'm confusing movies. No, Kate Blanchett did do a Bob Dylan. Uh, no, no, yeah, but you know, like one. six different Bob Dylan, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's this—I don't know if it's that one or I'm confusing movies. I think it might be confusing movies, where it's Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. and um, she's like interviewing herself. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. Oh that. no, it wasn't her. Like, fuck, I, I know I'm fucking this up right now. I think it was Kate Blanchett. She's like, like, I'm still here. By the way, is the name of that Bob Dylan movie? All right, I'm still here. That, that's uh, the uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. You're right. That's Which one's the Bob Dylan one? Shit, I'm like confusing like five not, different movies right now. I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there. I think it's I'm not there. I think there. I'm not there. Very shit. I don't want to look it up. I'm like confused right now. I think it's I'm not there. Is the Bob Dylan one? Yeah. Like in coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Who it was? I know Kate Blanchett comes out in that. Was that the one where like Kate Blanchett like, doesn't come out? No. In coffee and cigarettes. Okay, no. so I'm I'm confusing yeah. movies now. Yeah. So I think it's. Okay, I you think might be thinking Tom Waits as Bob Dylan because Tom Waits comes out oh, interviewing Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It wasn't that one then. I, then I think it's that one mm-hmm. where it's like I want to say it's Kate Blanchett. She's like a like a journalist interviewing Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan. That's fucking interesting. But that's I not think. coffee and cigarettes, though. Okay, then no. it wasn't that one. It was, but that is interesting. Yeah. Fuck, I'm not to look it up. I'd expect that at Jim Jarmusch too. Coffee and cigarettes, I really like because. Um, Jim Jarmusch was one of those guys to me, like, whatever he does, I, I find it interesting. Right. In the same vein that I would anything Charlie Kaufman does, I'd find it interesting. But but Kaufman Cigarettes just had so many people. And I guess it's one of those things where you could you could be like, hey, Bill Murray, you want to work for a day and, and be in this movie? And he'll do a scene with the RZA like he did in that film, you know? Right. But so, I don't know. I, I, I like a film where it's not necessarily a narrative or a storyline, but it's a collection of stories. The way that film was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I like that. Different perspectives, different. uh... And it's not even really about anything. It's really just conversations around coffee and cigarettes, you know. And I like, I I like that. I like. It's almost like independent chapters. Uh, You got it. See, uh... yeah, you're right. I'm not there, but I'm trying to find that scene. But it was that scene, right? I'm, I'm thinking it was. I'm just like it'd have to be because there's no other movie where she plays Bob Dylan, so it'd have to be her as a reporter interviewing herself, right? Yeah, yeah. Which makes um, sense. Yeah. You know, I was I rewatched Wait, it, and I know it? I spoke about it when I saw it, but or do you want to go on that train of thought? Go ahead. No, 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 it's cool. I'm just trying to find that 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 scene that I'm looking for. If I could just see a picture, it might uh like jog memory. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just like pulling a blanks. Like I'm confusing like a whole bunch of stuff right now. <laughs> Do you hate when that happens? Your mind gets mind bottled. Um, <laughs> like it's uh, like, what did he say? He has a bunch of thoughts bottled up. He can't get <laughs> out of you. <laughs> yeah. Fucking uh, not Tidy Nights. Uh, Blades of Glory. 
Will Blaze Ferrell. Blaze of Glory, there you go. Chaz, what was it? Chaz? Chaz Michael Michaels. <laughs> Let me put my poems in you. That's like your favorite part, man. Well, my favorite part is that, like, <laughs> um, he's about to kicked out, get kicked off by Mr. Feeney off the skating pro, skating whatever. Uh-huh. And then he's like, and they make arguments like why he should be kicked off, whatever. And then um, it's like, Mr. Michaels, do you have any uh, rebuttal? And he's like, Playboy 2010. Chad Michael Michaels is ice skating and he slams it down on the ground and goes boom and everybody goes like oh yes yes, yes. okay oh, that makes sense oh okay uh, we'll take that into account yeah like what <laughs> yeah. that was a dumb movie but it's funnier than people give it credit for you know what movie I was watching the other day that I forgot how funny it was hmm. uh, Role Models with the oh yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. little little buddies or what are they called littles you're, I'm yeah, your yeah. big and you're my little oh okay gotcha with gotcha. Uh, Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd and a lot of people are in it. A lot of the cast, a lot of you'll see a lot of characters from the um, uh, Wet Hot American Summer Crew, you know. But that's a that's a legit fucking like man. That movie should have been bigger than it was because it was on the level of the success of Knocked Up or Forty Year Old Virgin. It was oh, on that yeah, level, yeah. but it was I thought it was funnier actually than both those movies. Like, like the kids, like their angle, like they're uh, like like they're like little things. The little like, black kid is talented, at least in that film. Like he shines. The little black kid. I forgot his name, but I seen him in another show, a Disney yeah, yeah. show uh, or a Nick show, one of those two. I, I saw him like in an episode of uh, Elementary. Oh, really? He was in an episode. Good, good for him. Yeah, but uh, like I, I like that one scene where I, I think it's like the first time that they all they hang out with like their littles or whatever. Right in the uh, Chipmunk uh, Pizza Place part. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the part where they're dropping off. Um, um, he has turtles. Of course, he, he has, has turtles. Of course, he has a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is it? Uh, do you guys want to say hi to my turtle? Like, no. They follow us. Good man. No, I don't yeah. Think so. And then they, what, they drive away. Like, of course, of course he has turtles. turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I could love that part. It's just funny, man. Yeah, it's great, dude. I was watching it. Like, man, I forgot how funny it is. It's great, man. It's a great movie, man. Uh, Paul Rudd's character in it because he does play that. Um, because he's so used to doing the nice guy thing. So when he plays the sarcastic asshole, oh, it like just hits you even funnier. His wet hot American summer kind of. Persona? Well, that's not sarcastic. That's uh, like asshole, asshole. <laughs> But that's great, arrogant asshole. That one, that's fun. That is funny, man. That I still think that's one of the funniest. Like, you know that ink scene in the court in Ernest goes to jail. That courtroom scene. Oh man, absolutely. In the jury, I think that's one of the funniest scenes in this auto cinema. Well, Paul Rudd's character when he when he first uh, in around the pool, but he's like uh, when he's talking to his girlfriend and he's like. Uh, <laughs> my butt ashes <laughs> or when Janine Garofalo is making him pick up the dishes and he's like <laughs> like he's just throwing his arms and doing like a little baby that's one of the funniest scenes. like so that character's moments in, in Whatever American Summer is like uh, uh, part character for some of the funniest mo- movies in cinema history I think what about you what are some scenes in movie that just chill this day it makes you like cry with tears of laughter oh man uh, damn it well I don't know why, but like I came across like the um, the SNL, uh, the film clip the Schmitz gave one with uh, Adam oh, Sandler Schmitz and Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah, the, was, the pool like, boy, right? The pool boy. Oh boys. man, <laughs> they, they were like they were like house sitting. Yeah, like, yeah, just wait till you see the pool. I, I, like, it's out of context, so that commercial is funny. But if you remember the '90s commercials, they came. Remember, I remember those <laughs> commercials they were making fun of. That's yeah, why yeah, it's yeah. so fucking funny, man. But just like like I don't know, just like the express. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> They lift their glasses up and they're looking at all these, you know, guys in booty shorts. But they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> super cheesy!" Because yeah. there's like this one scene where there's like a guy that bends over, 
And then they're, they just kind of like, they kind of like zoom in on it. Then they like do this, uh, I don't know, it's just like that same like, what? Yeah. That same, Exaggerated like, facial face. expressions, yeah. Oh, man. Um, uh, but what else? What else? Because I know I was watching like a, I think it's because I was watching like a best of Chris Farley, like funny nice, moments. Nice, nice, nice. And then um, like it shows like the Tommy boy. Let's see, which one? Because it had a couple of scenes. I think it had like the B scene. Then it had like the um, the one with uh, where him and David Spade, where they get where they were. He kind of tells them off. He's like, "Well, I didn't have a dad, and he looked out for me, but you, you know, we just took it for granted yeah. and this and that." Then he gets all pissed. I'm like, "Get out!" You know, like, yeah. we're gonna, like we're gonna go. And he like hits him in the head <laughs> with the two by, two by four. four. Yeah. Oh, like that, that's like I was watching. Like that show was good. But man. that scene after is even funnier because like do I have a mark? He has a big red mark. He's like, this is so much here, here, but right, right here. here. Actually, <laughs> right, t- from Tommy Boy, one of my favorite scenes, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes, is when he's putting ga- gas in the gas station, and he fucks up the door. He goes backwards oh, to the yeah. door, right? But because he bends it all the way back the opposite way, but then he just kind of like fuck. So like he closes it. This he's is something. Like, this is something I totally would do. That's why it made me laugh so much. <laughs> but he closes it, but it's all fucked. Like the hinges are basically off, and then. <laughs> As soon as David Spades opens the door, he has the most obviously not surprised, surprised look on his face where he goes, what'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, at this point, the car, doesn't he like, because it's his baby, right? And he sees a little bit of smudge. Like, yeah, right before he. Right. Like, so he's like, oh, shit. Let me, let me, he gets his sleeve and starts like, ah, p- perfect. Opens the door and it falls off. <laughs> just like his look, like when he's like, because David Spade went inside to pay for the gas. Yeah, yeah. And he's just sitting in the passenger seat. Looking just forward. Like, Looking like all like you know, super obvious. Like he did something, but he's just trying to play it off. He's like, "Did you fill it up?" He's like, uh, "They only had diesel. Yeah, I'm gonna have to fill up at the next town." And he just like stays quiet. Yeah. And that's when like you know, David Spade's about to like open the door, and then he sees a smudge. He's like, "Oh shit!" And he like takes his shirt and he wipes it off. Yeah. So that's when he opens the door and it falls. <laughs> What'd you do? Love that scene, man. They like the way he looks up at him. Like, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Like crazy looking. Uh, also, actually, I think immediately after that scene. <laughs> When the fucking hood, they're saying some kind of song in Spanish, I think, and the hood goes off, right? That's right. And it, and he's like, uh, "Did you remember to f- put uh, oil yeah. in the uh, cart?" And he's like, "Now nah, I know you're not gonna get me yeah, on that because yeah. I put the right kind of yeah, oil." Yeah, and, and I don't ten W thirty, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. And then like, and I don't think, and I remember whatever I put the right kind. And he's like, mm. yeah, "Yeah, but." Um, but it's kind of hard, uh, hard to close the hood properly when the like, cap is still on. Yeah, I guess it shows a scene of the uh, oil fucking uh, gallon still yeah, left like on the, the hood. The thing is still like <laughs> on in the there. engine. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh. I swear to God, you're worthless. I think that's when they start fighting. Yeah. They start bickering yeah, I back think and you're forth. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's actually a pretty good sequence. Like from nice. like, the gas station to that. <laughs> and then to like they go eat and he does like chicken wings. Oh, that's like the other one where like. That's not in that same restaurant where he's like. Cause, yeah, because the waitress asking him, what happened yeah, to your what face? The like, <laughs> see, Richard. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like, you know, like, then he, he like, that's when he gets like the little biscuits or yeah. whatever. It's like, you know, you pet it and you massage, massage it. it. And you're like, that's <laughs> 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 I love that fool, man. I see, there were a couple of scenes like in that video for that. I was like, man, like, like, like it's. Like Chris Farley will always be one of those people that they just have that that uh the, anything that you're waiting for them to make you laugh. Exactly. Bill Murray has that. Steve Martin has that. But where you're just like anything. You're, will Ferrell has that. Recent, more recently, <laughs> where they're they're just saying they're just sitting there breathing and you're just waiting for like oh shit something about funny is about to happen. You're like that kind of thing, right? Chris Farley had that. You know. Oh man, still always man. Yeah, that's that's rest in peace. <clears throat> 
I was watching uh, Step Brothers. Yeah. Again, that's another one. Another one of those movies. Yeah. It's that scene where, like... I love John John C. Riley's so underrated. Will Ferrell gets a lot of credit, but John C. Riley is so underrated in everything he does, I think. I love John C. Riley. He was great, like, in Chicago. Remember Chicago? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. He's one of my favorite character actors. Like, if he's in a movie, I want to watch that movie. You know what I mean? Because there's something where the movie doesn't even, like... Like, his range is so wide. Like, have you seen, like, The Good Girl with, like, Jennifer Aniston? Small mm-hmm. little indie. Tim Blake Nelson is in it. Him and Tim, oh. him, him and Tim Blake Nelson are, like, partners in the movie. Oh, okay. So they're they're always together. And I, I love, you know, both those guys. Uh, but, yeah, Chicago is another one where, like, that's something completely what you... The Aviator. Something, like, it's really... That's right. You know, you know what I'm talking Absolutely. about? It's not even, like... I don't, you look at Step Brothers and you look at the Aviator's like, oh, he's doing this shit, too? Oh, okay. You know, you're... Something complete. He picks whatever random project. That fucking uh, Vampire's Assistant movie was on. Oh, I like, I like it. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, the, what was it called? Uh, Vampire's Assistant, yeah. Like, oh, some... Circuit, de la, uh, Circuit, Circuit the Freak. Freak. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, I like that movie too. Yeah, I thought me, it was pretty badass. Yeah, too. me too. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, he'll he'll pick just... It, it, there's no... James Franco's like that too, actually. But where there's no, like... He doesn't care about being put into a certain genre. He just does right. what he just, thinks is interesting. Yeah, and I like yeah. that about him, you know? Uh, that was pretty Has good. he done any Coen Brothers? John T. Riley. Um, no, but he did. He, he was in the Lobster with uh, Colin Farrell. Oh yeah, and that was that was a really really good movie. I think you would really like that movie. You haven't seen it yet because oh, it, I saw it. I saw it. Oh, yeah. did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I really thought it, it hit on some very damn very to- really really good topics about how the pressures of society and expecting everybody to right. be a couple, right? You know, I think like everyone's. I, I mean, obviously, it's an exaggerated form, but uh, The Lobster, if you guys haven't seen it, was starring Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz, who I always think is, she has a classic beauty to her. I really Absolutely, like it. Absolutely, definitely. I really like her. And John, like I said, John C. Bryce in it, but, and uh, the movie has some, like, extreme measures, but it's kind of, rela- it's relative, obviously, to what current society expects of, uh, if you're a single guy, it looks at you in a different way than if you're uh, in a couple, you know right. what I mean? And uh, in a negative way, really, if you're not in a couple. So it expects everybody to be in the cornerstone of marriage. And even to more extreme, like, um, how many times have you asked your family, oh, when are you going to have kids? Or when, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, please stop asking that. You know, this is the 21st century. My cousin Denise, who's a listener to the show, shout out to you, Denise. But her and J- her, her boyfriend, Jimmy, they've been together for, like, almost 10 years. And, but, yeah, they've been a while, yeah. But no, no real intentions of moving forward and no plans of moving forward. And they're happier than they've ever been. That's and they're good. constantly getting at – they really don't have no desire to have kids, but they're constantly – obviously, you know how the family is. Oh, why haven't you have kids here? When are you going to have kids? You know, uh, Jasmine, her niece, has, has literally had, just had a kid. <laughs> and Denise oh, did she really? Yeah, you know that? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you know, she's, you know, 16, 17. So, you know, uh, yeah. but, but it's good. Like, we just had a, a little baby shower, for, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, but Denise is uh, like she has no desire to and doesn't no need to. This isn't the right, this right. isn't the old days where uh, half the kids you had died, you know, oh, and didn't so make you, it. Yeah, so you, you needed like, to breed a lot. We're overpopulated. We're good with couple. Let's have more couples that don't want to have kids. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I you know I uh, I wish family would get on board or extended family would get on board with the whole uh, no need. Stop asking that question. There's no need for everybody to breed. You know, we're happy and let them stay happy. You right, know, right. If it works for them, but the lobster kind of projects that into an extreme form you know we don't uh the pressures of society 
it, it brought it perfectly because if you've seen the film, like you've seen the film, like remember how they're in the wilderness, people, all the people that don't want to be conformed to what society, right? They're, so they they go to this. They're all only the single people are allowed in the wilderness. So that's kind of like their escapism. Mm-hmm. That's actually where Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz end up falling in love. But now they're rejected from the single people because they're not allowed to, to like this is singles only. Right. No, so now they're excluded from <laughs> that club. Only. It's like it, you know they're excluded from that little club now. They're not allowed to. To, uh, so it's almost like everybody has little groups of exclusions. Can't we? Can't people just be accepting of what is and what isn't? Who right. cares? Who cares about? Because it's like that little the wilderness people when they become the wilderness, they're that's another mini society. So now their societal have these different expectations, and they happen to fall in love in those in those uh, unfortunate circumstances, and now they're excluded from that group. You know, it's like right. it's no win. Like no uh, happiness. No yeah. Okay, who who you know? Uh, basically, society is wrong. You know. <laughs> Whatever they're trying to get to you to conform to and all that bullshit. That was a good one. I, maybe I looked more into it to the movie, but I doubt the movie was just about not wanting to be turned into a lobster. But I, oh, I, yeah, I yeah. like the film. I really enjoyed it. I like that. Especially, you know, like when it's kind of done in... Like when it takes, you know, that concept, you know, into like such an extreme where you're either hunted and you get killed or you get turned into like some animal. Because like, that's like the whole thing where you get taken to that like hotel or resort or whatever. Right. Hey, like, have you signed that or fill out like a like a questionnaire or something saying mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if you don't find somebody in whatever amount of days, like, you get to be turned into an animal, and I think you still end up being hunted or something, right? Uh, no, or no, you get it, let go into whatever. Oh, like the, when you get turned into like, um, like they hump the bunnies who are escapees. Those were the ones. Oh, okay. But I mean, I still didn't. I mean, I didn't one hundred percent buy it until like, oh, they were they added some kind of machine that turned them into animals or whatever they wanted. Oh, okay. I still I took it as well, it's very possible that they just killed them and then they had like a replacement dog or a replacement like. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? I took it as oh, okay. He here's so and so. He was turned into this, but they really just put a bullet in his head and buried him in the backyard. You know, and then they brought out a brand new puppy. Like, okay, here's Colin Farrell's <laughs> character. And now he's a dog. You know, not to say that that's what was going on behind the scenes, but right. you know, they don't really show the yeah, and they don't have to because that's kind of the whole point of you, indie, you, indie you flicks. Fill in the gap. You fill in the gaps yourself because the if you think the movie is about oh shit, I want to see a guy turn into an animal, like okay, you're moving, you're missing the fucking <laughs> point, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like an actual lobster, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. something like da- Alan of Doctor Moreau or something. Right, right, right. If you're thinking it's one of those mon- like if you think it's you're gonna go watch Tusk, you know the Kevin Smith oh, film. Okay. Like, yeah, I got you. Like, oh shit, this is. I heard this movie's about that, right? Like, uh, but you're missing the point. Never mind. This movie's <laughs> not for you anyway, right? That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I was like, um, like it has that feeling, like you know, like. Cause it's like almost like damn, like you, like there's no, like no happy ending in a society like that. I was know? just gonna say because the movie itself ends in a downer, you right. know, it ends in kind of a downer, but it kind of in, uh, I don't want to say satisfying way, but in um, in a settled way, not unsettling, but settled. Like I'm accepting exceptional way where I'm accepting that ending. Okay, okay? you know, because because he kind of makes the choice. Well, the Rachel Weisz gets uh, blinded at the end. Oh yeah, and he okay. makes the choice whether to go. To join her in that blindness, or to you know that kind of thing, like is doing something, sacrificing himself for love, mm-hmm. or to pretend he could have pretended like, oh, I just took my eyes out. She wouldn't know the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the movie ends in a way where, like, yeah, that is an everyday choice you make. How much do you fake with your significant other? Right. You know, how much do you fake, and how much are you willing to take the risk? 
how much are you you know how much are you willing to do what you want to do for love and how much are you willing to just fake it for what you think is love you know that kind of thing i mean it's a real question that's like hey that's great you know yeah the whole movie finally gets you to ask that question of yourself inside or if you watch as a couple ask yourselves like oh i wonder what i would do in extreme measurements for you and vice versa you know Hmm, extreme measures with uh, brandon fraser well, you, you know, yeah. Well, you know, hey, Rachel Weisz, the mummy. Hey, there you go. Oh, uh, well, you really don't like because it's funny to say, you know, it's very romantic being in love because it's a, you know, without being too cliche or too obvious, really. Obviously, it's romantic to be in love, but it's really romantic to write a poem about like, oh, the uh, to say something like um, uh, the po the the poets of Longo will weep if they knew our feelings for each other, you know, that kind of thing, like mm-hmm. something very romantic, etc. But when you're put to the limit or put to the test of an actual situation where you probably might break up after this, but you actually come through at the end and that's, you don't want to look at it, but that's romantic. That's actually pretty fucking romantic. Right. No one ever thinks about the moment because you're just like, I thought we were done, but I guess actually we survived this. So it's kind of, damn. Okay. Maybe, maybe there's something here more to, to than I thought it was. Because every other relationship you've had, like, okay, well, that's a breaching point. You lied to me about this. Go fuck yourself. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> you broke my heart. Now I'm breaking yours. We're done. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I got you. But you come out the end after a big fight or after a big, uh, or whatever the revelation was or whatever the, whatever reveal was, you know, you come at the end like, oh, shit, I didn't think we'd still be together. We got through it. I'm I'm surprised as you are. Like, well, I guess we are in love. You know, like, you kind of yeah, talk. Yeah. That's the real revelation, the fact that you guys survive a certain part of a relationship or uh, or marriage in my case you know that kind of thing and it makes you f- no one looks at it in, but in retrospect that's actually the most probably the most romantic part and you can once you have an establishment like you know i guess the 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 way to put it I, man we're getting deep into this one. but i guess the way to put <laughs> oh, it yeah. is the, the the stuff you survive is what makes it even stronger kind of like when you actually break a bone you know when it heals again it, it becomes actually stronger, stronger yeah, yeah. because of the inside it's almost the same way in the relationship where like man this should have broke us up and this probably would have broke a lot of people up for whatever reason we ended up coming out we ended up forgiving each other for, and that kind of thing and well i well, I guess that will, that's a, like a learning, like we're not, we're still together, you know? Oh, okay. Well, shit. Well, now we're getting through it. Now the next big, because it never stops, right? The next big hurdle that comes through there, if it's worse or less than this one, we'll find out if we end up together or not, you know? Just pressure points. Yeah. Pressure points. And it's like muscles, just like stress. The stress, the muscle either dies or it grows bigger and stronger. Gotcha. And that's actually the epitome of a relationship. It either dies or it grows bigger and stronger. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That was a good one. Well, about any other, like, uh, are there any really, I wouldn't say romantic, but relationship movies, non-rom-coms, obviously, that I'm, that kind the of non-cliche have... bullshit, but something oh, okay. like The Lobster, where, it, are there any movie, uh, other movies like that? I thought Anomalisa was like that. Have you seen that? I haven't yet? seen Anomalisa yet. I won't ruin it for you, but honestly... I think it's Charlie Kaufman's best work, you know. Yeah. Before that, I thought Adaptation was one of my favorite films, and oh, it still okay. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still is, but, like, that, being John Malkovich, um, has, does not hold a candle to... Or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind oh. holds no fucking candle on Anomalisa. If you just look at it, in, like, Anomalisa really thought... It captured loneliness in a way that I didn't think anybody else could understand. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll have to watch it, so I'll be like, oh, okay, so I kind of know what you're talking about. 
because he did it in a clever way. Obviously, there's the gimmick of the whole anime stop motion kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is great in itself. But it kind of forces you to because it, it, it forces you to pay attention. Excuse me. Like Tom Noonan is the there's like three voices in the entire film, and Tom Noonan is one of them. Tom Noonan, uh, if you know him, he played he played Frankenstein in the Monster Squad. That's Tom. Oh, Noonan. okay. So there's the main actor who's playing the the main uh, voice. Every other character is Tom Noonan. Okay. Boys or girls is, is voice. He's just like narrating for no, not narrating, for speaking not? for people. So if it's a little boy, if it's a girl, if it's a man, it's all Tom Noonan. Oh, okay. And it's kind of supposed to symbolize that everybody sounds the same to him. He's literally in a in a, in a world unto himself. Okay, yeah, you know okay, what I'm saying. Like, cause, so that. everybody's everybody's the same person to him. It doesn't matter. He's very lonely. He finally hear the girl uh, Lisa. He finally hears a woman who is not the same voice, and she's supposed to stand out to him. And that's how they start the little infectu- infatuation. Hmm. That's kind of the premise. I won't say any more than that, okay. but that's how she stands out. At the, you know that that's what gets his attention. Like, oh my god, there's someone that stands out to me. That's not doesn't sound like everybody else. That kind of thing, right? Whether it's you know literal or you know symbolical or you know that's for you to interpret. But um, the movie really, like I said, the movie hit me. Like I remember seeing Eternal Sunshine and spent lots of mind. And I saw this when I was like in I want to say high school or the college around that time. Well, 2001, I think it came out, right? Eternal Sunshine, yeah. Oh uh, four or five. Okay, so this was like. Um, right at the end of high school, before, right before I joined the Marines, I think. Because okay. I remember watching it in the theaters, and I remember watching it with like a a girl that I was, you know, kind of like seen dating at the time, mm-hmm. and, you know, a church friend of mine. But I remember we had like a, a you know, not the bar, but the coffee shop. Right before you're 21, <laughs> you hang out. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. So I remember Denny's. We yeah, yeah, Denny's. Remember Denny's? We were, <laughs> used to be there. But I remember we went to a coffee shop after and we were talking about the movie and how much we liked it and stuff like that. But I remember just being like, oh, man, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Still. And I and this came out after Adaptation, who, which I was already a huge, you know, I, I knew with the name Charlie Kaufman. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I was like, man, I can't wait for this film. And then the movie did not disappoint. But I thought it got really, I thought as I got older, it fell into the same boat as like 500 Days of Summer did. With relationship movies where they go into this cliche of... With Eternal Sunshine, you mean? With Eternal Sunshine, with 500 Days of Summer, they fall into this cliche of, like, independent versions of rom-coms. And that's all they are. And I really mm-hmm. thought at first, like, oh, this is something different. But, like, huh, when you think about it, like, nah, it's really just... It really is a, a indie version of a, what a rom-com would be. Because there is a happy ending. And there is... It really literally takes you through the exact same boat that a, a typical cliche rom-com would. It just takes you in a fantastical way that you wouldn't expect or in a depressing way that you wouldn't expect. And then you label indie flick on it and now it's disguising it. But it's really the same thing. It's, re- it's not leaving you with a realistic version of what a relationship was. Because a relationship isn't like that. It's not like Fire Days of Summer. In a relationship, I related to many scenes from both those films, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Line, and Fire Days of Summer. But mm-hmm. in reality, that's just that's still the movies. That's not that's not hitting me at my core where where the the specifics of relationships I felt. And I think at that point, like as I remember mm-hmm. being like, dude, I was that guy with unreturned love. I fucking this is me. This is me relating to. Oh my god, this is hitting me hard. Yeah, and then I remember as I got older and I kept watching this movie, like yeah, I I kind of grew up out of it. I don't. I can't keep feeling sorry for the younger me. Does that make sense? No, no, I get you. I get you. Because that's essentially yeah. what it is. It was just like him being like a, um, what would you call that? 
Like, okay, like, you know, like, from the... It, it's that one scene in um, 500 Days where he finally goes out with some other girl. Mm. Uh, they're, like, at, like, a, like uh, they're having breakfast or something, you know? And all he's doing, instead of, like, talking to her or whatever, like, think, like, like friends hooked them up or something. Yeah. And, um... And, like, you know, I think she's, like, trying to talk to him, but all he's doing is, like, oh, summer this, summer that. He just, like, keeps talking about her. That's so cliche, though. That's no, why no, I didn't no. like that scene, yeah. It's not so much that, but it's, yeah. like, where, like, she... I think she gets kind of tired of it. It's like, okay, so so she doesn't want to talk to you, but she doesn't want to get with you. But she says she didn't want to get with you in the beginning. He's like, yeah. And blah, 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 blah. He's like, yeah. Like, he, she, he, she pretty much, like, summarized, like, I was like, like, why are you tripping? She told you she She's didn't want to. She's basically being the audience. She's, like, calling. Basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. And then, like, he's like, I got an idea. And then he get, takes her to karaoke, gets drunk. And I remember he, that, yeah. Yeah. But it's just that one scene that summarizes everything from that was, like, mm-hmm. I guess it should have been his reality check, but I don't, he obviously didn't get it. Yeah, uh, I think that's what I think that's what troubled me on later. I didn't see him, I didn't see those characters like um, Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine, or even Charlie Kaufman himself in Adaptation, and Joe Joe Golev, I call him Justin Gordon oh, Levitt yeah. in Empire. I didn't see those characters. I saw those as the protagonists that they're supposed to be because right. I identified with them completely. Because damn, I was put in that situation. Dude, that's me, dude. That was so me, like you know, like with unreturned love, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I really hit, it and I love those films. And as I got older, I realized, like, god damn it, for they're supposed to be the protagonists, but. I can't get over how, like, yes, I'm having these feelings and I'm relating to them. But I'm fucking 16. I'm a dumbass. Of course, I'm having these feelings. These guys are in their 30s and 40s, and they're and they're and they're feeling this way. They need to grow up. And I'm thinking, like, dude, I'm a teenager and I'm realizing that they need to. Re- they had been need to realize that they need. They need, they should have got their hearts broken when when they were teenagers, not when they're in their adulthood. And that's probably what it would have changed their mind because then it, it made me look down. These are supposed to be my protagonists. These are supposed to be my heroes. Well, now now I now that they, they kind of turned me from the film because now it's just about literally those three films that are not considered rom-coms because they're indie films but they're literally just rom-coms but they're about the hero of the film or the protagonist feeling sorry for himself for almost the entire film right and i was like man that's i i i can accept that of myself as a teenager but looking back now in my 20s uh no now i'm in my 30s but but you know that's when i I changed my point of view in my 20s looking back at those films like I look back at myself as a teenager, calling myself pathetic. Grow the fuck up! How am I not gonna look? It changed my perf- my whole perspective of the film because of uh, because like these guys are older than me and they're still doing that. Like I I can't right. I couldn't. It really made me look bad about about those films with me. So now keep in mind, there's still great scenes from those films that I love. I still love watching adaptation to this day, with the exception like now it, it's just a different point of view, but. Fire Days mm-hmm. specifically, one of the best scenes in cinema, I think. I, I say that too I say that too often. <laughs> hey, I mean, if it's good, it's good. But one of my favorite parts, okay, I'll say this. One of my favorite parts from any movie, it's the reality and expectation scene on the rooftop. That was a great one. That was a great one. That was so brilliant. That was so clever. I wish that was a short film. If that was just a short film, like a 20-minute film, about and, and that scene was the main uh, reward around it, Genius, my favorite day of summer. By all means, take all my money because that that really hit what it's like to be that guy at that moment. That's every kid. That, that, tell me that's not well. Let's say that if you're not, if you weren't born good looking, that's you at one point in your time. If right, you right. if you weren't somebody who had a, a lot of girls at with you, whatever the fuck, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're a guy who was really more into relationships than dating, that was you at one point in your life. Uh, next, you. 
you had a friend that was you that wanted, was a friend zone. That's yes, what it was that like was being a fr- in the friend yeah, zone. Yeah, you had a girl you wanted to be more with, and she just kept you at bay. And you had a reality, and you had an expectation, and and that's that that fucking back to back view. That was so brilliant, so clever. I really love that scene for that movie. I mean, actually, the movie that really saved, for me personally, looking back, that saves the movie for me because that's still that makes the whole movie still worth watching just for that scene alone. You know. Hmm. That was yeah. Had lots of good scenes. But then again, it's, um, like, with that one, it's, um, like, when you kind of, you know, like, when an individual is, like, kind of, like, really just, like, trapped, because he became, like, really fixated on her. Yeah. You know, it was, and it wasn't, like, based on anything, like, it was, like, what it, it all started off with, um, where, like, they're in the elevator, I think, mm-hmm. and she's listening to, no, he's listening to the Smiths, I'm sorry, then she hears him, and then it's, like, she, like, she sings, like, a line from it, then she walks out of the elevator, and that's, like, oh, my God. That was like his like that, like his turning point where like oh man like she likes the Smiths like that's yeah. like my soulmate or something yeah know? I mean she's obviously attractive but now they have something in common and that just uh, you know clenches the link right yeah it's so, like like you know for him to hold on to yeah like it, like you you just kind of like find like all these little things you know to just kind of like you know feed to that fire and it's not even like something that's really it's not that important. You know, because, I mean, you can have something in common with just about anybody. It doesn't mean it has to, like, provide, like, a romantic link or context to right. it, you know? But it's like you just, like, you, like you're like you into somebody and every little thing that they do, like, it, it's, it's magic. To, like, yeah, exactly. Every little thing just turns you oh, on. No, huh. Nice. Uh, Police. Uh, uh, <laughs> but um, I think, like, when you do that, then it's like kind of you... That's when you kind of skew away from, like, you know, trying to, you know, be, like, realistic. You know, that's when you get, you know, like, the... Although love chemicals in your brain are kind of like, you know, yeah. taking you to like this kind of pseudo reality. It's like you do it to yourself. It's yeah. self-inflicted, you know, and then. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is subconsciously done, to be fair. But once you hit the point where you're realizing what's going on, man, you got to you just got to be, you know, OK, let me not fall for the trap. Now that you, once you know it's a trap, like, oh, I'm doing this to myself. Shit. OK, let's let's step, take a step back as opposed to like, I'm all in. Yep. No, no we're going to we're going to fall in love. We're going to get married. Have yeah, exactly. Dude, you're 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 That's, fooling yourself now. You're, you're, you're you know, you're just kind. setting yourself up for like that big uh, for disappointment. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that killed me. I was about these are the guys, these guys in their 20s, 30s and adaptations case in their 40s. And it's almost like it's the first time they've ever been in love. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's the first like they haven't gotten their heart broken yet. You know, it's it's that thing where it forces you to forces you to wake up. It's tragedies, right? Heartaches, heartbreaks. Right. Forces you know, uh, Batman Begins. You know, the uh, people are only shaken out of apathy once tragic incidents oh, are okay. going in your life. Once you it know? affects you, yeah. And and if that if you never were into if you weren't if you weren't a kid that fell hard for someone that wasn't returned for you when you were younger, it's going to happen to you in your 20s and you're going to get these guys. And it's cool to make movies about it now, but when you look back at it, like, oh, shit, man. Hey, dude, you're in your... You should grow up. <laughs> you're in your 20s. You just stop feeling that way, you know? Or at least, you know, kind of wake up, wake the fuck up, you know, like, hey, yeah. you know, you get... It's, it's not the end of the world. I think that's what the most important thing is that once you... A love lost and not returned is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It, you can get over that. You can find someone else. Yeah, I guess it's 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 not necessarily. Don't you hate when like they call? Oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Like, dude, I don't feel like that right now. So fuck you. Don't give me any <laughs> advice because you always when you're going through a heartache or a heartbreak. Right. And like, dude, I don't need any advice. I know everything that I need to know for me to get myself out of the bridge. But right now, I just want to sit and sit in my emotions and let myself go through this. I always felt that way. I never needed to talk to anybody when I 
going through a heartbreak. You know, I have my heartbreak a lot of times, especially when, obviously when I was younger. And even since, since I've been married, you know, there's, you know, when you get in a relationship where the, where my bitch of a wife fucking raised her, like, <laughs> that I never wanted to, I never, I never felt the need like, oh man, I just need to talk to somebody. Like, no, I want right. to be alone. I want to be alone in my emotion. I want to listen to the Smiths and the Cure and I want to listen, <laughs> I want to put on that sad fucking pathetic music and I want to fucking say my feelings and, and just feel it. I want to feel this pain. And go through it and kind of it's, it's almost like I don't want to run away from the feelings. I want to just embrace it because I, I, I almost know it's just a ride. I'm going to it's going to be a few days, maybe maybe a couple weeks of very lonely of solid of uh, sorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to watch these sad ass movies. I'm going to cry at commercials of AT&T, you know, <laughs> hashtag Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to let myself be emotional. I'm going to run through it and let it run its course basically i'm gonna let it run its course and not let it dwell you know what i mean the way yeah, you know and but i definitely don't want to fucking i'm also embarrassed as fuck so i don't want to i don't want to have my buddy coming over telling me like oh you need to talk to somebody man you can talk to me like hey if I, <laughs> fuck you have me a beer so you can <laughs> put a beer in your mouth so you can shut up and that's like, <laughs> i know huh? that's yeah. all you need is yeah. a couple of beers yeah. put, put out that fire <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that, that, that's how I always felt about. Uh, I have you ever seen that portrayed in a film? Maybe we should do that, huh? Like, like a where someone like, dude, I'm like, where it's, it's realistic, where a guy going through something, it does not need the buddy talk. He just needs to feel, let himself feel the emotions. He'll get over it himself eventually. That kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk to you know, that whole thing. Right, right. Damn. I don't need to post a hundred fucking status updates on Facebook about <laughs> this bitch or or love take me back or that kind of bullshit. Or, like, or in Robin Thicke's case, make a whole album begging his wife to oh, take him yeah. back. You know, she's fantastic by the way. She is good looking. Yeah. Um. Damn. Poor as that. Yeah, I, don't I was. Know. They don't really focus on that. I think it's almost like you know, there's like they have to kind of like market it. Like it's almost like marketing it so like everybody could like you know relate to it mm. like that aspect of it because it's like sense, yeah. like it's simple it's like everybody's been through it so it, but I mean it doesn't have to be that maybe one day somebody will make like something where it's like uh, I'm sure there's been a few indie flicks probably about that I'd we like just don't know about so, it, yeah right? maybe should, yeah. you know but uh damn nothing really comes to mind where it's just uh I guess just fucking just. Taking it head on, just like like no, a Sam no Kinison, thing. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking whore. I was watching him. I think I sent you a thing. Did I? Uh, I sent it to Jackie. I don't think so. I, uh, I was watching, you know, because on Netflix, the one where he killed, you know, that uh, I want to say it was a comedy store with the red background in the back. Okay. Uh, it was one of his fame, uh, the his best sentence where he just fucking kills and destroys. Like, oh, what were Jesus' real last words? Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, I fucking love that joke. By the way, he used to be a preacher, you know, just right. so, he, so he know. Like, his jokes always hits me because I used to have that same problem. That's not true. I had, I'll be honest. I had one joke where it was my favorite joke, but nobody ever got it because you'd have to legit be, you'd have to legit be really into the Bible to know the story of Job. And anybody who was really into the Bible would be super offended by the thing. I think I told you it, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, do you know the story of Job? Job? (laughs) Before his, like, you know, like his, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, what do you call it? It's not even a punishment. Like his, like, like, but like, what he had to go through, like the boils and the yeah, well, not uh, a punishment, but Joe. Basically, the devil asked, because uh, Job was a devoted, uh, um, dev- not not Christian uh, follower. Of, uh, he was Jew, but follower follower of of God. 
He was devoted to him, basically. And the devil asked, like, let me test Job's faith. And God says, okay. So so the devil basically kills uh, his wife and his kids and his sister, like his family. He kills Job's family. And the, Job's still, like, dedicated to God. Right. And the devil, like, caused... Like, the whole thing was, like, for him to, like, renounce his faith or something? Basically. Like, right. let me let me cause him as much suffering as I can to, to get you to... Tr- and Job didn't ever, never falter. He still right. believed in God, right? Uh, and 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 then God like rewarded him, which I hate. I hate this. I always think, growing <laughs> up, I hate this part of the Bible where God gave him twice as many kids as he had before and a new wife and that kind of like. Hey man, like, he still lost his other fucking kids. If I were to lose my kids now and I got two, uh, four kids now, whoop de doo, <laughs> you know, a ju- what is it, Julie, Chris, and Steve, or newly whatever the fuck, whoop de doo, whoop de doo. I I'm still gonna fucking be p- you know that whole thing always bothered me. But there's a lot of stuff that bothered me. Quote, I mean, they can make a rom com out of that where he's like still like in love with his wife and his kids. Is from before and yeah and she got, she's like a ghost so like uh, <laughs> till death do us part it'll be called oh, you know something like that <laughs> <laughs> well um anyways that's basically overall the story job well i used to have this joke that never hit and i always wanted to hit but like i said the ones who knew the story job were offended because they were obviously like christians or catholics and the ones who didn't know the story job the joke never hit so the joke was real be real quick but I won't do the whole thing, but I was like, oh, oh you know, I always, I always thought like, you know, I always thought of God like, you guys see the Joe Joe, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. I always thought of God like, he really comes off as kind of like a drunk asshole, right? And they were like, oh, shit. Like, no, no, he doesn't. You know, they were real afraid of it. Think of it. Tell me that God does not sound like an abusive asshole husband. It's a Job, right? And you could, I could just picture Job's real friends being like, dude, you got to try my God. Dude, so you got to leave, leave, leave your God. He's <laughs> yeah. so bad for you. He is not good for you. Please try my God. Look, I got. I can set you up with this other God. He's really good for you. He'll be good to you. In the end, Job's like, no, he doesn't want to listen. No, you just don't understand him. him. No, he's a jealous God. You just don't get him. <laughs> that's another joke. God the ju- yes, exactly, because uh, <laughs> the Bible says God is a jealous God. So that's another joke that people wouldn't get listening to the Bible. You just don't get him. You don't understand him. God is, my God is a jealous God. You just don't get it, okay? And, and so Job's like, you know how the way... Like a drunk, a, be- a beaten woman argues for her husband. Well, something she still out of like Jerry Springer. Yes, yes. To get her you to don't know out. him. He loves me. That's how <laughs> I can always imagine. I, now that's like basically the joke, right? I love that joke. It's one of my favorite jokes. But nobody, like, I'd have to do the whole premise of setting up the way I did with you. And the ones that I wouldn't have to do with would be so offended that I just called God an abusive drunk husband asshole. You know, <laughs> but you know that, that that's that kind of thing. You know, she has a sense of humor apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good shit, man. <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's jump. jump um, uh, damn, that was a good little 50 minutes. I was just winging it. Oh, nice. First topic we're, we're, the only two major topics are uh, Trump's band of transvest- oh, okay. transgender, transgender and then yeah. Chester Bennington, Bennington dying of uh, suicide on the birthday of Scott White. No, um, oh. Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell, uh, who he replaced. Nope, I'm sorry. He replaced Scott Weiland. Um So is that like a curse of STP? Like, seems the lead singers always die. Man, he died as a rock star, though. Scott Weiland, he legit. Damn, what a way to go. In a hotel room, OD, that's legit. That's how you want to go if you're yeah, if I'm a so, rocker. That's the way I want to go. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Okay, so rest in peace, Chester. Right. Linkin Park, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't own any of their albums. I obviously knew their songs. We grew up in the 90s and 2000s, so we obviously knew their songs. But I didn't own the albums because I was 
and, and not to say that the songs were bad because they were there were a lot of good ones. I mean, Long December is a great song, you know. Um, my December. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking Tony Crows. Oh, <laughs> and there's reason to believe. I love that song. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, and it, you know, there's a lot of great songs that they had, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, ironically, it wasn't, right? Because you probably think I would be into that kind of shit, I guess. I mean, because it was still, like, writing, like, the whole, like, new metal rap rock. Right, right, right. right. As far as, from what I remember, because I think I was, like, a, like, like, I was still in high school, but, like, at the end of it. Like, when they came out, so, I can remember One Step Closer came out, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I think that was, like, pretty much, like, at the end of it, like, like, I don't know, like, I don't really remember, like, you know, being, like, too into the genre, yeah. You know, like yeah, same, that, yeah. You know, I like I, I didn't have a Papa Roach album either, and that was kind of the same vein, you know. I, I I hate to say it because, as far as new metal goes and rap rock goes, which is big, obviously you had your Limp Biscuits, your fucking oh right, right, right. like I said, your Papa Roach, Corn to an extent, and, and Lincoln Park, they were all in kind of the same boat. And I hated the fact that Raging Against the Machine was in that boat to most people because I really thought they were no, different. they were nothing like that, nothing I, like that's that. That's what I'm talking about, right? And but you ask somebody else like, oh yeah, I like rap rock, and they're gonna la- label label those five bands I just na- mentioned with Raging Against Machine in that yeah. fucking group. I was like, I always hated that. I always hated like, man, that's you're diminishing it by saying that, you know? Right? Like, yeah. I don't think I've come across that like that specifically, like putting Rage like in that thing. Oh, I mean, I was in high school thing? during that point, so for me, it was always like. No, no, no! It's not the I, I try arguing with someone like, dude, the it, the lyrics mean so much more. It's just or the music is just genius, you know. I try, right, right. especially at the time where we're like hardcore. Where I'm trying to make up music, and I'm looking at someone like Tom Morello, and I I felt like I should just give up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're just like, why why would I even try if this guy already exists? You know that kind of right, thing. right. Uh, I didn't feel that way about Lincoln Park, to be honest with you. Not to shit on you know on him as great, but. I didn't feel that way about Pop Roach. Like, oh man, I should just give up making music. Like, I, I, I always felt like, man, I could probably do better or something mm-hmm. like that. You're, you're trying to make better songs, right? Right. With Rage, I hate that they get crumbled into that '90s rap rock mix or new metal mix because mm-hmm. I felt there. Tom Morello specifically, you know, because he was more the musician of. Uh, that's what he studied. Oh, no, no, he was music and, and uh, political, political, political science. science yeah, uh, Harvard of all places. Yeah. But uh, th- that's the thing where I like, like, no, no, this guy is legit, knows what he's doing. And he, he <clears throat> there's always a certain level of respect that I give to a fellow, uh, a musician who can read and write music. Mm-hmm. Not just someone who, like, re- read tabs or, or plays by, quote, unquote, plays by ear. Like, no, everybody <laughs> can play by ear, fucker. Right. You know, I hated that. I hate, I just, I just, like, are you Beethoven? That. Yeah, I just hated that, right? <laughs> Uh, Beethoven didn't play by you. Beethoven can barely hear, bitch. Why stop quoting? You know that kind of thing. You know? No, I was, I was just didn't like that. I just, you know, let's let's give them, let's have some prestige for the people who deserve it, as opposed to just right. lumping everybody in together. Right. I mean, do you, I mean, maybe I'm just being a little ignorant because I do that with like newer rap. You know, I'll lump because I really don't like newer rap. Huh, mumble rap. Mumble rap, as it's called. But I know Kendrick Lamar has good songs. And I know yes. Weekend has great songs, you know, like I, so, and I know, but they're also to, to the non, they're probably lumb, mum, uh, lumped together too in that same kind of genre with like modern rap, right? Or new hmm. rap. Because I mean, like, like Weekend, like he has a style, man. Um, it's not necessarily rap, huh? It's, it, but it is hip hop. It's like, you know, it has like, you know, elements of like, yeah, rap on R&B, but like, it's almost like maybe. Pop, mixed with pop. It's I mean, some, it, it really is becoming you know. though a big amalgamation of. Pop, rap, hip hop, uh, fucking, um, um, it's all becoming one big thing that's played on Kiss FM, and oh, not no. necessarily in a bad way, 
You know, because like I said, Weekend's a great... I mean, let me listen to Starboy. That's a great song. That's a great, great song, regardless mm. of what genre it is, you know? Maybe. maybe maybe that's the right way to go, and I'm just being old, old about it, old, naive about it. Maybe no genre or every genre is the way to go, you know? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, just because, like, you kind of hear them all in the same place, like, depending on what radio station that you listen to, yeah, you kind of hear it mixed with all these other people, so you kind of, I think, you know, psychologically, you just kind of... Kind of put them all on the same, you know, like, you know. Yeah, if I'm hearing Justin Bieber and then Weekend right after that, like, oh, so man, like, fuck uh, these guys. Like, you don't even think about it, but it's like, oh, like, you hear one, it kind of triggers the other one. Right, kind right. Kind of like a Pavlonian uh, Resp- like, yeah. response, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, makes sense. But, but I think, like, if you were to give it a chance, you know, you could see, like, how somebody's different. And then you could, like, just, you know, like, see how, you know, like. I kind of like differentiate like the ones like oh what this this is actually pretty good and this mm-hmm. is just like everything else. Yeah, maybe yeah. we're just being unfair to like like because Miley Cyrus, real musicians wrote her songs, so maybe we're being unfair to those real musicians. You know, I mean, there's just people that just write it like they're not they probably just go they're going to the three chord suit every day. They're and... three chord structure like oh well, the, you know how they say like the almost like you know ninety not ninety is, I'm making up a statistic now but. A majority of the songs are all based off of the same three chord structure. Oh yeah, have you heard that? I, yeah. I saw like a YouTube video about well, like I think Axis of uh, what are they called? Axis of Evil with like Surge Tankian. And... <laughs> That's funny. No, no, no. It's um, I forgot the name. I think it's Australian or New Zealand. There's a group that literally has like a 20 minute video of every song that's literally the same. That, that's the one that I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I want to say Axis <laughs> of Evil. They're Axis of something. Axis of Awesome. Key of oh. Awesome, that's who it was. <laughs> the Key of Awesome, and they're like a they do a, a few like they're known for having videos out, and I, they're the ones that do that three chord structure. Work. Oh, okay. Like every hit single from the 1960s up to Soar has is basically revolves around a three chord structure that has this repeats the same pattern and just in different formats or different ways. Right, right. And they take you through it, and if you've seen the video, you'll know. But Key of Awesome, it is the Key of Awesome, and uh, and they'll take you through like from Beatles to Madonna to Miley Cyrus. It's a fucking Coldplay, like, every, like, oh shit! It is the same three chords over and over and over. Maybe in a different key, uh, an awesome key, maybe, but <laughs> or, or in a different, um, you know, rhythm. But it is literally the same three keys. Like, oh shit! This song is this song. Oh, this song is that song too. You know, if you're a musician, you're gonna enjoy the fuck out of it because you're like, oh wow! You know, you're kind of see the um, the gears turning, right? That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. It's it's kind of like a. The wizard behind the veil kind of thing with those kind of things. And you wonder oh, if it's on purpose or if it's just accidental. Because some of the times it doesn't seem on purpose. It seems to like I'm making my own song and it just happens to be in this key. Maybe you're just so used to hearing that subconsciously that you're just could like be it looking too. for it. Yeah, know? that could be it too. Huh. Or if it's one of those things where these three chords specifically are pleasant to the mind to hear. And that's what's key. Like, oh, this sounds great. And like if somebody it, tapped into it before and right. then just kind of... Uh, what is it called? The... Uh, um, underlining web of syn- synchronicity, you know that Synchroni- whole thing. Synchronicity, synchronicity. synchronicity. Excuse me, That's the underlining web where everything's kind of connected. In uh, like, huh. if one guy solves a puzzle, like let's say there's a puzzle that can't be solved, one guy solves it, then all of a sudden three. That's how, and they say that's how the light bulb was invented. That is really like six different people that invented a light bulb around the same time. Once the first guy got it, then it, it kind of like huh. went. the they, light bulb they, started going on. They say something like that. They say it was it was some kind of uh, collective web. consciousness. Collective consciousness, underlining web of collective consciousness. Yeah, the synchronicity. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very uh, waking life. Very, oh, uh, that's one of the best. Like, I I think that movie, at least once a week, should be played for every kid of all ages, all the time. You know, and just so you could get keep that open mind view. Yeah, waking life, the waking best. Life, if you yeah. haven't seen it, 
see it. <laughs> it's a Richard Linkletter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Richard Linkletter. It's yeah. like just it was all shot, you know, like just like movie, but it was animated over. He did that animated. with uh, another film too, with Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, um, uh, the the one with the drugs, right? Yeah, he was uh, like a detective. I remember uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's that one dude from uh, Empire Records? Like the kind of like the the troublemaker, the one that was like, because I remember he was in it too. Man, I'm trying to think of like him. all the people that were in it. It was Rory something or something Rory. Rory McDonald. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a UFC fighter. Now I'm a May fighter. I'm excuse me, Bellator fighter. But uh, yeah, he did that with that movie too. Something about drugs. Shit, now I can't remember. But uh, but yeah, man, Waking Life. I I saw it in uh one of my philosophy classes, my existential class, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's like. Like, like you'd wish that you would have seen it younger, just to like you know, to to have been given like a perspective like that. If you never have had you know exposure to just really like out of the box stuff, you know, like I, I mean, I legit thought that I was like, man, am I the first kid to think this way? Like I thought that how stupid I was, how naive I was, right? You know, you're <laughs> 11 years old, and I remember I remember which episode it was, but it was a episode of Batman the animated series, greatest show of all time, right? Uh, and it was called What Dreams Are Made Of. That was the name of the episode. And it has to deal with a Mad Hatter creating this dream apparatus and putting Batman through this, like, he doesn't know if it's it's, it's real life or dream life, but Bruce Batman never existed. Bruce Wayne, or Bruce Wayne was never Batman. Bruce Wayne created him in his subconscious. Oh, yeah. and so he's dreaming he has a normal life. He's married to Selena Kyle or going out with her, and his parents are still alive, the whole thing. His therapist is convincing him that, that he dreamed his par- that he made up his parents dying because he was bored with him. The whole thing, right? About right. Ma- Matrix before Matrix, right? And I remember thinking, like, man, what is that? What if that's now? What if that's going on with me? You know, that kind of thing. And like, I must be the first kid ever thinking this. <laughs> <I felt laughs> like, so they know. Like, yeah, I felt so stupid. <laughs> and then, like, uh, pretty soon right after that show came out, Truman Show came out. And oh, then, okay. And then one, you know, I love Man of the Moon and Truman Show came out around the same time. Yeah. It was during. Jim Carrey's um, dramatic phase, but there, there was oh, absolutely, man. I fucking absolutely. love those. I fell in love with Natasha McCohen <laughs> in, in the Truman Show, and if you remember her, she's the Irish girl from mm. Ronin or uh, <laughs> Ronin. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Robert movie. De Niro. Robert De Niro, yeah, and uh, John Reno and and um, Sean Bean is also in it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. I think she became more popular. with Younger audiences when she was like the ex-wife in Californication, but regardless, um, I just thought she had the most beautiful face. And um, or was that? Oh, Truman Show. I thought the mind like, man, this is the greatest movie ever. And I thought, like, what if, what if the, that is possible for that to be me? What if my life, you know, it's so fucking. T- like I look back and I'm like, what a douche thinking the world revolves on you in any kind of way, right? You know, like, <laughs> that's a way to put it. But I really, but it, it, it opened the world to that kind of philosophy, like what is real and what isn't real, right? right. Don't even get me started. Once Matrix came out, I was so mad, I'm so mad. Like I've been saying this for years. I, it, like I'm the first jackass. <laughs> Literally, Plato has a thing about shadow. You know what's the reality? Obviously, you know, for thousands of years. I'm not. I'm not original. I'm not new. You know, uh, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But but imagine if you're exposed to something like Waking Life, where it literally takes you through over a dozen actual philosophy, different right. philosophies, and through a perspective of a person walking through life, Waking Life, walking through it, and so it, it gives you a personal touch trip. That that movie is brilliant because it literally is philosophy 101 in about tw- in about an hour and a half, and just jammed into, and it makes sense too. It's not just like. 
this, this, and that. It makes sense. Like this is this. This is why. This is this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, they they did a really good job where it's not just you know like a, where, where it's like in you know like in a conversation setting you know where it's like he asks a question and then like the character or whoever he was like talking to or whatever philosophy mm-hmm. you know they would you know lay it out. Like the one part that always stuck out to me, like for whatever reason, why it was um, like the way to tell if you're in a dream, mm-hmm. it's like go to a light switch and flick it on and off. Mm. Like if you if the light stays on, that means you're still dreaming. I I still didn't think I I, I hate things like that to be honest with you because be, like like in, same thing with Inception, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody had their little trinket. I, I you hate know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, there's like always something. Knock on but, the door or open the door and knock on it, and if you you know that kind of, if the door opens. But there's no rules to that. You, it's not. That's why I always hated that because yeah. like that still doesn't mean you're you're awake or you're in a dream or not. What if that's just your subconscious tricking you into that? I I still always said there's don't. If people are trying to decipher whether they're in a dream or in their real life, you're wasting your time because you're and you're not only you're wasting your time, you're missing the point. The mm-hmm. point is not to know the difference. The point is to experience the experience, right? Just, because there is no difference. Just go with it. I to this day, maybe I'm now quote unquote my philosophy. Like I, like I'm the first guy to ever say this. You know, <laughs> there is no difference between dreams and reality, and there shouldn't be. And who gives a fuck if there is? Because you can't tell, and you can only tell the difference once you're awake. But if you never wake up, then you never know the difference. Who can- so it doesn't matter what the difference between dreams and reality is. The, what, what you take from it is experience, and the only thing that can be gained from anything, whether it's real or not, is wisdom. Knowledge, absolutely. absolutely. See, I, I ne- well, I guess that's just a label thing, because I always hated knowledge, because knowledge is knowing. Like it's, a, like it's a construct. Well, I just um, meant like in, in the fact, like, I call it wisdom, people call it knowledge, and I only don't call it knowledge because it comes from knowing, and I don't think anything is knowable. You can't know anything if nothing is provable, and nothing is provable other than I think and I exist. Only things that are provable. So you can only know one thing. Everything else mm. is just wisdom. Or, or Know that you don't know anything, and everything else is... And everything else is... So everything else under that falls in there, brother. That's the only reason... I mean, it's almost a semantics or technicality. Right, you start arguing that. Yeah. yeah. So it's... I'm, I hate to be... Oh, now this is pointless. Like... Well, you know what I mean. You call it knowledge. I call it wisdom. But you know what I mean. You know, that kind of thing. Or do you know? <laughs> you don't know anything. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about this for another half hour. Right, now. right, right. Uh, so I always hate it. But, but I'm, I'm very strong to the fact like, well, I don't even know if I'm here now. Because if I'm dreaming, then I don't know shit. I don't know anything. And so, but I know I have, but I gain from the experience, I gain wisdom. So what I have is wisdom, not knowledge. Maybe there's but, like different components of the same thing. I know? mean, it really is the same thing. It's just uh, now that I'm, old, I remember I used to be so sick. No, no, no. Knowledge is impossible to achieve. So knowledge is, knowledge is pointless. It's wisdom that's important. And like, dude, you're, you're saying the same thing just with different labels. Different, yeah. yeah. I mean, some people call it knowledge or some people call it wisdom, but it's, they mean the same thing. And the intent is what's most important is, you know, the intent of what the met or the meaning is, you know? Right. right, right. Yeah. Right. But I love that movie, uh, Waking Life. If you guys haven't seen it, check out Waking Life. The whole movie is like, I don't want. I I think it's actual. It's animation, but it's animation kind of overlapped over actual scenes. Is yeah, that fair like, to I say? I think it was like recorded, like it was filmed, and people. Do, and, uh, dark, uh, surreal, dark. Was that the name of the other movie that looked the same? Um, dark, intimate, dark, dark surreal, dark. The I one think it was dark into- something. I'm gonna have to like look the something like movie. that, right? Am I on the right track? No, like I, I rem- like I'm still trying to like find that movie because I remember watching it. It's like some drug that they take, yeah. And like the the thing, like when they take the drug, like you know, because it's animated over. Like if you see Waking Life, you you know, like you'll know what you know we're talking about. 
where like Scanner Darkly. Scanner, uh, a scanner, a scanner darkly. Keanu Reeves, wasn't it? Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Robert Downey Jr. A scanner darkly. Damn, there you go. Now it's coming back. Nice. Oh, we were this close. Yeah, to I was about it up. to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, but, but yeah. it's the same. Uh, it looks the same. It visually, it looks the exact same as Waking Life. A scanner right. darkly. Yeah. But like the cool part is like when they when they take the drugs, you know, and he's like somebody's describing like, oh, I'm I got bugs crawling all over me. Yeah. Like it'll actually animate like the bugs crawling all over. Right. Me, you know? Right. It, it gives it like a different. I mean, it's animated, but it's not like you're watching a cartoon. No, no, still, definitely. I don't want to give that wrong idea. You right. Know? So like, if you watch it, then you'll know, you know, like, oh, okay, you know. It's yeah. definitely not a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, um, what was I reading about? Like, Fear of Loathing in Las Vegas. You just oh, made me man. think of that because of the uh, illusion, taking drugs and illusioning the spider thing on you. Right. Um, I remember I watched the movie again. Not When I say recently, it was like, Four or five months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. But I remember seeing the movie. I remember my dad saw the film, and he rented it from Videomax. That's how long ago it was. Oh, right? yeah. And I was like, "Oh, what's this movie?" And I don't know how old was I at the time. Like fourteen, fifteen. When, when, when did ninety? Uh, 90, 90, yeah, nineties, right? No, so it was ninety. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been. I couldn't have been older than fifteen. So I had to be like not fourteen, thirteen, because I, I turned fifteen in in two thousand. So, yeah, so I was in my early teens, and I saw the movie. I like, oh, what was this one about? Cause, and my dad was like, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> you know, I just remember him <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I don't know. He's on drugs the whole movie. I don't know. It was weird. Was pretty I was like, all, all and to good. me, I'm like, okay, well, I'm definitely checking it out. And my dad was really into, like, you know, whatever. Let me watch whatever. But he was pretty cool about movies about shit like that, right? Right. And then uh, so I watched it, and I remember thinking, like, oh, this is this was w- I remember liking it only because my dad didn't like it. I think it was that rebellious oh, type thing. something like that, yeah. That's and I remember I saw, like I said, the saw the movie for the first time since my teens uh, a few months ago. And I was like, oh, shit. This is, uh, who directed that? Fear and Loathing? Yeah. Mm. Trying to think it was one of, like. It felt David like, Lynchian, who? but I don't think it was no, David It wasn't Lynch. David Lynch. No, yeah. But anyways, it was, it was, it, it, it felt like, man, this was better. I remember liking at the time. When I saw it in my teenagers, just because it was kind of like a rebellious thing, like "Oh, Dad, I really like the movie," that kind of thing, and he's like, "Why? Wow, it was weird." And then I look, I, I saw it again, and I really, I really liked the film. Like, "Oh my god, no! This was a, obviously now that I'm a well, just a film buff. I don't want to say film historian or film uh, conjurer. <laughs> fuck, fuck you! Don't be pretentious. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to count, tell myself, don't be pretentious. Fuck you! You're a film buff. <laughs> you just like movies, dude. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but now that I, you know, like you're more experienced. With, I'm more experienced with films, and I like films. And I know what to look for and what what's a good movie and what's a bad movie, right? Uh, I'm very confident now in that. Before then, I didn't know I, if I liked it. I liked it, whether it was good or bad. I don't know. But now I'm very confident. Even if I like it. I know it's bad. Even if I like it, I know it's good. You know, regardless if it's bad or good, I mm-hmm. know I like it, right? Uh, I'm very confident in saying, like, I, it's a bad movie, but I, but I like it. So what? Fuck you, you know? I, I'm not afraid of, like, back then, you know, when you are a teenager, so, like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say I kind of like this movie, you know, that kind of uh, like, Guilty pleasure? Oh, no, it's an Adam Sandler movie. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you know. Do you guys me. like it? No. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I liked yeah. the movie again, and I was like, oh, shit, this is really good. So I started looking into it, and I guess there was an attempt at the film with starring Bill Murray. Did you know this? Oh, um, the Where the Buffalo Room. That's right. And not necessarily that film specifically, but based on, like, Hunter S. Thompson and his friend, uh, the Mexican dude, that was played by, uh, the one with Bill Murray was played by uh, the grandpa from Everybody Loves Raymond. 
He was he was the he played the wizard in Taxi Driver. He was Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Shit. Peter Boyle. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, he played you know the the Mexican dude. Um, I forgot what they named him in the in the movies. Uh, 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 my attorney. That's yeah. like one of the things we call it. But that movie was actually based on real events. I didn't know that. Did you know it was based on real events? I don't know how real, but just because. Well, because of the drugs and yeah. all that. Well, well, I'm pretty sure that was real once they were taking the drugs. Oh, yeah. like, that was real then. <laughs> uh, speaking of re- dreams and reality, the experiences hmm. were counts, right? But, no, anyways, true, that was true. based on a road trip that they took with his attorney. And the attorney, actually, the movie has deep roots in, like, Mexican uh, rights, like civil rights type of thing. Huh. I, I didn't know this right. I looked into this deeply, but, uh, man, I forgot the name of the attorney. I, I hate. Anyways. Was he, it Gonto? Was it, that was, like, one of his no, characters. Well, that, yeah, but that was based on on the actual. Well, I guess what happened was during the a protest in L.A., East L.A. specifically, I want to say Ricardo Lamas, but I'm probably wrong. But the, uh, somebody was killed by mm-hmm. a cop. With like a rubber bullet during you know hits of the head, one of the leaders of the Mexican Chicano protest things. I would say it was something like Jose Diaz or something. Uh, I mean, it, it could have been. You a, keep I mean, throwing Mexican names. I, I know huh? it was somebody. And uh huh. And um, I guess the attorney that was processing with them, what that was his friend. That was one of his best friends. So Hunter S. Thompson wanted to do a report on his story on the guy who's died story. And he was using that attorney's was that Mexican attorney as a consult as a, that was his uh, source. Oh, okay. And to, they became best friends, you know, after the road trip, but to the, the attorney was very shy about getting a story told and getting it told right. And, you know, the Chicano movement and make sure that story was told from a good point of view, that kind of thing, mm. you know, obviously it kind of like, what would you call it? Like, because I guess the back Black Panther movie or the Black Civil Rights movie was in the 60s. This was the early 70s for, like, the Me- what Mexicans were going through in their 70s was very similar to what the uh, African-Americans were going through in the 60s. Right, right. And he wanted to make sure the story was told, so he was very guarded. And Hunter and Thompson, like, said, like, look, take a trip to me to Vegas. We'll have a we'll, – we'll, we'll do the report in a hotel room, that kind of thing. I guess that's kind of how it started. And the guy, the, the Mexican dude, didn't beat some, like, alcohol, recovering alcoholic slash drug addict – and Hunter S. Thompson is Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> and he's like, he always has a bunch of drugs. So he's like, so they ended up just becoming literally drug buddies or drinking buddies uh, over this weekend where he wanted to get the story of this Chicano movement thing told right. Hmm. And that's kind of where that's the whole point of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas became because they, he wrote in his diaries, um, man, I, I really wish I remember what that was called, but um, like he wanted to get the story right and he's trying to. The whole point is Hunter Thompson is trying to gain the trust of this Mexican attorney guy. Mm-hmm. That's a wild man. That's a the kind of guy that would go to a bar that's just to start a fight. That kind of guy. <laughs> and that's that's how he was described. Um, and trying to gain his trust. So what better way to gain a trust of a wild man? But they giving him drugs and beer <laughs> <laughs> and alcohol. So and, and Hunter Thompson being who he was because he's not uh, you know he's not uh, a sissy to that kind of shit himself. Right, right. You know he's in the, in in that mix. So they just pretty much got high and drunk all weekend, and, to, and I don't know if there was a story at all told or not, but that's how it kind of, the origins comes from, like the Chicano rights movement in East LA in the seventies. Very interesting. And I, you know, I was like, oh shit, I, I had no idea that this story has roots in actual something of value, you know, and it and it comes <laughs> to just... this crazy ass fucking like, oh wow, it, it was really interesting when I was reading more about it, as the you know you know whatever 
as I was getting interested in the film, watching the film. And actually, I think it's an important film to watch with that perspective now, you know? Right, right, right. Watching it from like, oh, cause now I want to see it again. Because I remember looking at it like, man, that movie was better than I thought. And then it, I looked up and it led to that wormhole where you just start reading and reading about like, you know, you go to like on uh, Wikipedia or YouTube and you start reading and learning more. Right, about, right. Oh, shit. Now I want to watch it again. It's been a few months. What was it, like four or five months ago that I saw the film? I want to watch it again through the eyes now that I know the backstory. Like, oh, okay, let's see who Benicio Del Toro's character was based on this one guy, and hmm. let's see what's going on here, you know? So it was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm okay. Or are you going to go inside and get one? Okay, I looked it up, guys. Um, <laughs> the character was based on Oscar Zeta Acosta, who was a civil rights attorney uh, for the Chicano movement. And he actually disappeared in 1974 in a trip in Masaclan, where my, where my mom's from. Hmm. Masaclan, Sinaloa. And he's presumed dead. And his son thinks that what happened was, because he was kind of a wild dude, like I was telling you, he got in a fight <laughs> at a bar with the wrong kind of guy. Oh, you know, gotcha. you know, Sinaloa cartel is obviously, you know, in Masaclan. And that's what kind of led to his disappearance or slash death, whatever. Okay, so here here's the story real quick. In 67, Acosta met Hunter S. Thompson, who wrote an article on Acosta and the injustice of the barrios in East L.A. for Rolling Stone. And it was, it was titled, Strange Rumblings in Aztlan. Hmm. Uh, Aztlan was like a, what'd you call it? Like a, Aztlan was the call it in. pieces of country that was taken from Mexico from the United States. Hmm. Is that, I think that's what that was represented. Okay. So like the Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, obviously, you know, that kind of thing. That's what Aslan was kind of known as. Like almost half the United States? It's almost mythical mm-hmm. is what they call it. Like, oh, that was the old Mexico, basically, is what they call that. Yeah, old Mexico. And let me see. Where else? Hey, oh, okay. That Ruben Salazar. That's the guy that 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 died from that was the, the one of the leaders of the Chicano movement that died from oh, a, cop, okay. a cop killed him on during a protest on ax, uh, quote unquote accident or they labeled hmm. it as an accident oh, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah yeah so the the Ruben Salazar while working uh in Thomas Thompson Hunter Thompson wanted to expose the uh that kind of you know inside shit going on right. so that's what they were interviewing um let me just read the rest of it Thompson and Acosta decided to take a trip to, to Las Vegas so they could freely discuss Salazar and racial injustice in LA, away from any police supervision. Thompson, <laughs> right? That's that's what they labeled us. They wanted to go get fucked up in Vegas, yeah. dog. That's what was going on. Thompson wrote about this trip in his 1972 novel, Fear of and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the legal department of the publisher, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, said that the book could not be published without clearance of Acosta by references to him were recognizable. Acosta initially refused the clearance, saying that he was insulted by Thompson's declarations of his of his race. Thompson had described him as a 300-pound Samoan. <laughs> he understood, however, that inserting his real name and race would necessitate extensive rewriting and delay publication of the book. So he promised clearance, provided that his name and his picture would appear on the dust jacket. Okay, so I guess he wanted to be, make sure it was known that it was based on him. Hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah, okay, so that, there you go. So the uh, one of the fucking... Greatest cult films of our generation, as far as that whole, um, our what would the '90s version of like hit, that hippie '60s bullshit be? Like free like love and all that. Dazed and confused. Basic. Or? No, because I was in the '70s. But I'm talking about like our version of 
what the hippies call free love and free and you know everything. For the nineties, for us was like the movie like Go, where it was just basically oh, drugs okay. and experimenting. Like, it and, was like yeah, like the rave culture because that was definitely very big in the nineties. The rave culture, perfect way to put it. Yeah. So for for people of the nineties, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was that kind of film where it was a cult film where like. Yeah, man, drugs are the answer. But it actually, you, you wouldn't think of it like you put it in the same boat as Fight Club. You put it in the same boat as like Seven, almost in these movies where they have a cult status because they have really good meanings behind it. Mm-hmm. And and this one specifically has its origins in like, oh shit, that's is actually its origins depend on this like Hispanic movement. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't even realize that. And it's it's just interesting to know the backstory to all these right. things. You know, always. I always. thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I think currently our generation, like Fight Club is a perfect example. I bring that up. But like, you know, we're going through this millennial, I'll say hipster kind of thing where I think Brad Pitt's character said it the best in Fight Club where it's a generation where we have no war to fight. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for meaning. I think a lot of men today are looking for a lot of meaning. I don't think I think it's like the whole Nick Swartz, uh, not Nick Swartzen, definitely not Nick Offerman, <laughs> Nick Offerman, the you know you know the Ron Swanson type of thing. That's why I got mixed up. Nick Swartzen, Swanson, the donut where like men are men, right? They they work on wood. American Ham. Is that from the standup or his like special? It might be. I did see a, 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 a bit of it. Yeah, but it, you know where that whole thing about right. um, uh, what is John C. Riley to go back character say in um, Step Brothers? Like we're men. We like to go on river bowl gambling. We jerky. make our own make jerky. Our jerky. <laughs> <laughs> he says something else, right? Like, yeah. We are literally <laughs> we shit with the door open. <laughs> there you go. It's like we have literally done none of those <laughs> things. But like where men are meant, I think there's really a faux pas now going on with the current generation of like you know that I hate to use hipsters in a douchey way and like in a bad way, but it is what it is. But where you're gonna grow out your beard, you're gonna wear flannel, you're gonna have tattoos showing all over your face or, or neck or, or arms <laughs> because you think. Oh, this will make me look more manlier, because they're missing actual meaning, to because they don't, don't they don't have the a word to fight. Of, they don't they don't the have a word of, to fight. They don't have meaning. They don't have the generation yeah, the is internet. getting. There's all these kinds of words on the internet. <laughs> they get, that's the kind of my point. The generation is getting easier and easier. The world is getting easier and easier to live by. So there's this evolutionary instinct to be to do what men need to do in a, in a very primal primal sense. Hmm. And they're not having that met in this modern society where everything's been given to. So, so that's why the style comes out differently in their fashion wear or in their fashion face or whatever they, they choose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on. I, I think there's a connection. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is me just being over observant or <laughs> being a dumbass. Like, no, dude, you're looking too into it. That's not true. I don't think you ever really look too much into something. Well, I'm not because I'm I making a wrong connection because I think that's where this whole beard trend is coming from. This whole flannel thing is coming from this whole uh, tattoos all over thing is coming from you know mm. not that I don't have a few flannel shirts myself not that I don't have tattoos all over myself but yeah. I'm just saying that's where you know you, you know what I'm talking about when you have that look the hipster look you know what I'm talking about right yeah that fucking um, I mean take a trip down a silver lake I mean <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah <laughs> where these guys that have literally never picked up a hammer or a screwdriver or something right you know <laughs> I can tell buddy get the fuck out of here why are you wearing dickies you never fucking picked up a shit you know is that a thing now like dickies? no I don't know I just use that instead of like I don't know a famous flannel brand so yeah. like, but I, I, I think that's the style represents that you know you're you're 
you're you're faking it to try to make it because you know that you ain't never really done any. You never worked a sweat off your brow on fixing any kind of bullshit. You know that kind of thing. Huh. Like, I don't know. I remember like the King of the Hill episode where it's like, it was the hipster episode. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's actually like gentrification. That, that's yeah. like the whole point of the I remember episode. this. This is a great episode. I think I love we, this we've talked about this. I'm pretty sure. This specific episode? On oh, the podcast? No, we haven't? On the podcast? I, maybe? Well, go ahead. You know. Well, it's um like uh it's uh, one of the. Well, I guess I could branch off in all these different ways, but uh, Peggy. There was like a point in the series where she became a like a like a real estate, mm-hmm. you know, a real estate sales salesperson, yeah. and um, like uh, Enrique, that's yes, like I Hank's coworker this. or whatever. Yeah. Like he wants Hank to speak at his daughter's quinceanera, and then like just through turn of events or whatever, you know, like uh, Peggy's like trying to sell a house to like this one to some dude mm-hmm. played by Dak Shepard. Yes, you know, I remember that. So he takes on all these different neighborhoods and doesn't like it. And then for whatever reason, like, uh, like she has to meet up with Hank to like meet uh, Enrique's daughter to talk about like you know to translate or some shit. Yeah. Know? And uh, like so she goes to like meet him in like Enrique's neighborhood and his it's a you know a very predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. Right, right, know? right. This is like oh wait in the car I have to go inside and do this 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 and that. So, like, she goes and does it, and then, like, she comes back, and he's he finds his house for sale, like, in that neighborhood. It's like, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I want. This is real. <laughs> and, and, like, from that, like, she started, you know, pretty much just, like, selling houses. Like, she became really successful at it because, you know, she was selling houses to, like, all these hipsters that wanted to, like, come into, like, yeah. you know, the same kind of setting, you know. And, uh, like, I remember, uh, like, Dale, like, a... Hank was, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Hank, uh, Peggy's been showing houses to this, like, you know, this weird-looking dude and blah, 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 blah. Right, right. And then Dale's like, oh, who are you referring to? Our hipsters. You know, they walk so slow because they ain't got nowhere, <laughs> nowhere to, to go. be, man. Or, like, little shit like that. <laughs> but that's pretty much what it talked about. It talked about how, like, all these, like, you know, like, you know, hipster people were, like, moving into the neighborhood. And they were, like, changing everything around. And, you know, like, Enrique was like, oh, man, I don't like this. You know, they're, like, you know. Like, I like things the way that they were, you know? Yeah. They're, like, coming in here, like, changing everything up. And it was just referencing gentrification, you know? With, like, all these, like, outside, you know... Um, like, what, what would you even call it? Because it's, like... I mean, that's, like, a subculture. But just, like, when some... Like, a group of people kind of move into another neighborhood and kind of change that neighborhood. I mean, that is literally gentrification. Right. But are you thinking of something... Uh, no, no, I mean, that that's pretty much what it was. That's all it was. But gentrification is more, like, in... It's almost conspiracy sense, you know, when you say that. Cause it's, like, on like, a bigger sense, absolutely. But it, but in this case, it's not planned. It just happens to be where, like, oh, man, I almost want to say it's, like, modernization, but because that's just mm. the way it is. That's what they want you to believe, man. <laughs> hmm. uh, but, yeah, that, that's, like, pretty much the whole uh, point of that episode where... Hey, real quick, um, I made friends with this guy. He's an old dude. He's... Late 60s, early 70s, type oh, of guy. Okay. But he had a hit record out back in the 60s, 50s. His name is Chris Jensen, spelled with a K, K R S Jensen. And we became real, he's like a Buddhist, and we're always having like these philosophical talks. He, he's, I consider him a good friend now. I mean, I'm a worker with him. But I remember he, that didn't come up. He never brought up that he used to be, uh, he, he was in the same vein as, um, um, uh, like, 
Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley. Really? Yeah, like Alan Freeman, who invented the term rock and roll, would uh, took him one time on a tour. You know, like a he had a hit single on basically, and back then one hit single was that's, that's your your album your soul. You know, <laughs> but he had like a hit record out basically, and I didn't know this. Like his wife, I met. Uh, later and I found like oh you know my friend Chris he was talking about you that kind of thing and she's like this really sweet El Salvadorian lady her name's Maria and with an accent you know the whole thing right and old uh, you know obviously they're older too she was talking to me and he was like oh I was talking to her like just politely in Spanish and then he mentioned like oh yeah you know my you know my husband Chris and like Chris like who are you talking what the, like, yeah I didn't I didn't put the connection like yeah he comes here every night you know like oh oh that's your husband I didn't know that right. She brings up like, yeah, he used to be a singer, really good looking in back in the day. He was a good singer, yeah, on the radio. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of rolling my eyes, like, kind of Katie, you're you're doing the thing where I'm being I'm, pre- I'm being really douchey because <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool, good for him, that kind of thing, right? Like, dude, we had a record out, quote unquote, you know, <laughs> we recorded albums in the studio, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Where I had a band too, buddy. So I, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking like that kind of thing, right? And then uh, I, I go home later day and I look him up and I'm like oh shit this this was on iTunes <laughs> like oh no he had a oh, real shit. legit and he had a hit his his number one song was called Torture and that's I'm kind of promoting him um, and I look it up and I'm like oh no he had a real and his songs are great but they're they're very duopy you know oh, it, okay. it was it was a you know shit you'd hear in the in the movie Grease that's the kind of thing he played huh. and was it uh, electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I and looked at the movie Torture, and then I realized, oh shit, I heard this song before, and it was on the soundtrack or in the background to American Gods. Are you watching American Gods? By no, now? not yet. Like uh, Neil I've Gaiman, seen the, the... Neil Gaiman, amazing, oh, really, okay. really great. The, the adaptation is really good because uh, Neil Gaiman, who, who who wrote Dark City before that movie mm. was, our, our, I know Dark City is one of our favorite movies. That was a great. We used one, to watch yeah. that late nineties. Oh, the, oh, that was pre Matrix before Matrix. Right, right, right. right. Whole, you know that uh, Matrix took a lot of thunder. I always blame like Matrix for stealing the thunder from Blade, but it also took it from from Dark City as far as like what's real and what's not real. Right? Damn, that's like like all the dream shit. Uh, yeah. th- was that uh, Jennifer Connelly? Was that Jennifer yes, Connelly? Yes, that's okay, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jennifer Connelly, uh, John Hurt, and uh, I forgot the other gentleman's uh, name. Sewell, something Sewell um, from Night's Tale. I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, I want not James. But you know who I'm talking about? Something Sewell. I remember that's his last name, Sewell. And uh, anyways, Neil Gaiman, he's the best. It's just, um, uh, check out American Gods. It's it, it's really really good. Mm-hmm. They're doing really good stuff. Well, anyways, I heard like oh shit, I heard this song. It was on this one like this episode where they're playing America folk or Americana. You know that whole thing like very classic Coke. You know that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the song Torture was on there, and I'm like oh shit. I not only not only was do I feel stupid for like rolling my eyes when uh, his wife Maria was telling about him. And so anyway, I brought it up to him the next day, not the next day, like two days later when I saw him again, like, oh, hey, Chris, and we're talking again. And I got like, oh, shit, Chris, I got to stop you. I went and I, and I bought his album. It was like eight bucks. So yeah. like, $8 on iTunes. Check out Chris Jensen's album um, with the lead single. I think it's the record's called Torture, and then it has a bunch of songs on there. Really, really oh, good. Okay. And then um, and then I told him about it, like, oh, yeah, you know, dude, really, really impressed. I really like the music. And I'm, t- and I'm being authentic because I really did like the- I like old school stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, my. He's kind of got a little red. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, well, how'd you hear about that? I was like, oh, Maria told me. He's like, God damn it. I, I got to <laughs> talk to her about it. I was like, no, man, it's great. Dude, I'm, dude that's awesome. And he was just started, we, he started going off telling me. I, I actually kind of, as I'm talking to him, because it's like 10 minutes in, like, man, I want to have you on the podcast. Like, we could. 
We get. I get. Oh, okay. I'd love to have you know speak to you know. I love speaking to old people. It wouldn't it be great to have him like tell stories, his stories, man. right, 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 and wisdom, especially like back then because you know he was literally torn with Elvis with Jerry Lee Lewis. He was in that mix with that whole uh, like La Bamba phase where the big bopper <laughs> him. He could have nice. been on that plane, you know, but he was in that mix like legit. And I was like, man, I'd love to hear your story. And uh, he's talking about, yeah, it was it was good. You know, he's been real humble about it, but at the same time, like. He's telling me some good shit. Like, oh shit, I want to hear more about this. You know? Oh yeah, that sounds good, man. So maybe one day, yeah, we'll have him on the podcast. I'll ask him to come on. Uh, we'd probably have to go to him though. That you know, West Hollywood or oh okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever it is, we, we'll, we'll make we'll it work. It we'll make yeah. it work. So, uh, so I wanted to give him a shout out, and um, I want you know, pe- listen to the record, Chris Jensen with a K. Uh, Torture is his number one single, but he he said his favorite song was that he made was called like uh what dreams are or something about like mm-hmm. dreams are made. but it, it, it uh, you can tell it's legit like 60s shit so but good for him man i just want to give him a little plug nice. and shout out let me see you guys check him out mm-hmm. you looking him up right now yeah yeah let's play a song yeah yeah fuck it we'll play, we'll play a song shit. <laughs> <laughs> well let's play torture the, his number one single there you go all right you go over hold it closer closer got it out of the mics Baby, you're torturing me Why do you lead me around and make me chase you? When I catch you, you won't let me embrace you Please, baby, have a heart, cause can't you see? You're torturing me that I'm going through is worth the pain if I have you so if you love me let me know but if you don't please let me myself too and it definitely puts you in that kind of era right instantly like there's definitely some music that you can tell like oh yeah i know exactly where it came from you know like yeah. if, if i like if i if i hear um because i'm about to break duh, everywhere I, like, oh, I, I know that's like in park 90s <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> hey i you know can i play one more for him yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're only like two minutes long you know yeah, the, songs pretty sure. yeah, yeah, uh, the one he said he was most proud of was called big as i can dream so I have that one synced up. I'll play that one for him. 
I'll, I'll tell him about this that way. Oh, we played you on the episode. I wonder. Oh, yeah, I yeah. wonder if he'll get a kick out of it. You know that whole thing. Yeah, for sure. For okay, sure. Hold, here we go. Big as I can dream, Chris Jensen. Folks, a little bit of old school fucking rock and roll. Yeah. For uh, once again, I'm so, I hate to hammer it home, but he's a buddy of mine, and I wanted to give him a good little shout out. But that's Chris Jensen, K R I S G N S E N. Chris Jensen. Check him out. You, I think you guys will like the music if you guys like uh, Grease. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know we saw uh, it's on Netflix. Grease two. Uh, have you ever seen that with Michelle Pfeiffer? Uh, no, it is so bad. That, that's what I heard. Oh my god! But in the best possible way, and like uh, in a room possible way, pretty damn close, dog. <laughs> with a musical version, <laughs> and the songs are like okay. So Greece had these songs that were very catchy, very very recitable. Greece two has these songs that are like what the fuck. <laughs> and uh, man, it, it's hard to say. like the opening number to the song feels like it goes on forever it feels like it's 10 minutes long and if it's so weird because it's almost like do the kids know it's a musical you know the first one didn't know the first one the main everybody's seen was like either t-birds or the pink ladies right mm. or or solo song so it was like well it, it's not necessarily a musical it the school doesn't know it's a musical. It's just these ca- characters. Yeah, it's Robin. It's kind of break out. Into Grease two literally from the beginning. The entire school is dancing along on a number. <laughs> so it's just really? like, wait, what? What's going on? Oh my god, dude! You guys have got to watch Grease two. <laughs> worst bad movies. Ever. You know, one of those things. You know, the worst bad movies. There's like 
pretty like I remember coming across like an article about like the best worst movies ever made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. No, like I remember obviously the room was in it. I, I think it was number one actually. Of course, it has to be. You yeah. know, but Troll then, like, Two or the Room, right? <laughs> Troll Two, which one was Troll Two? Remember, I showed you that clip of oh, like, like worst. Yeah, yeah. Th- they're eating her. Then they're, they're gonna, gonna eat me. Eat. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's that was, so great, man. Man, that's, that's dude. I'm telling you, dude, we were exposed <laughs> to this way back then. Because remember those clips from like eight years ago, dude. Remember, like Bro, that, that show was also at, oh at my god, least, if not more. Oh my god, legit, man. I mean, it's a fad now, but we were on to it, man, back in the day. <laughs> um, what was what else was on that that, oh, man, that stood out to, to you? Well, because some of them weren't even like you know movies that like I didn't recognize. You know, like. Like, maybe some of the actors, like, here and there, like, oh, yeah, like, I know who that is. But, yeah. But as far as, like, the movies, you know, like, 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 I couldn't remember them by name, or I don't think I've ever seen them. But, damn, like, I wish I would have, like, pulled it up. But I just yeah. remember coming across it, like, fuck, because I was at work, you know, when, like, when I came, when I saw it. Yeah. And I was, like, can't just, like, watch, like, you know, ten movies. Right, right, whatever. right. But, it, it, uh, like, I'm going to have to find it, and then we'll, like, talk about it, you know, when Ray and Eric come, yeah, oh, okay, cool, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Like look forward to that, guys. Um, but, uh, anything good you've seen lately? Anything good, good. Let's see, they like Stranger Things, you know. Like I just hopped on the. There's this movie I ordered. I did not see any trailer for it. I didn't see. I still don't see it being promoted. But I ended up watching it with uh, with Gwen and and Jackie. But it was called Austin Found. Have you seen it? Austin it's based Found? out of Austin, Texas. Austin Found is called. Huh, no. But it's starring Linda Cordellini. Oh, who really? Is, I, I love her. Absolutely. You know, I, you know f- even before Freaks and Geeks, she's always been my, like, I had a big crush on her. I really liked her. Right, right, right. And um, who's the, oh, a lot of people, Craig, Fer- Craig Robinson is in it, who was my oh, nice. my number one black man crush. You know, <laughs> I've said that before. Uh, oh, Skeet Ulrich is in it. Returning, oh, really? Yeah. And his name is... Uh, um, what was the name in Scream? It's the same name. In Scream? Uh, I don't know. Gavin Rosdale? Yeah, that's like funny. Gavin we used to think it looked like him. Like, <laughs> not Tommy. Gary. Billy. Was it Billy? Yeah, it was Billy. So his <laughs> name is Billy again, right? But uh, Skeet Orge is in it. Um, man, there's some other. Oh, uh, and Kristen Shaw. She's in the other main character in it. Kristen Shaw from. She plays Louise on, on Bob's Burgers. Which is oh, also okay. from, you know, uh, Last Man on Earth. She's a character actress. Comedian, oh, okay. too. But anyways, the movie... Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The movie, really good. It's really funny the first hour. And then it evolves to very, like, oh, shit. But it doesn't... It switches to serious without telling you it, it's switching to serious. Does, huh. does that make sense? No, no. I get you. I get you. Because it's you. very, like... Dark comedy in the ver- first hour is very dark comedy. Coen Brothers, think of, uh, you know, I'm talking about that kind of thing where like they're making, they're making jokes out of dark subjects because the subject is about uh, a little girl, a pageant girl that ends up getting kidnapped and held, you know, hostage, oh, and the man. mother is trying to find her back. And this is on the trailer, so I'm not responding. And the mother is trying to like. But she's fake crying it because she's the one that staged the kidnapping, that kind oh, of thing, so, for for attention, for fame, and she's she's claiming, oh no, I did it for my daughter because if this works, then that means the fame will be, you know, uh, it'll I'll work out for us in the end, that kind of thing, you know, that one, yeah, that's all on the trailer. So, oh, okay, so it ain't spoiling anything, but that's kind of the whole, the whole premise. 
But anyways, the first hour is very funny because all these instant like, oh my god, what the fuck? And you're just kind of laughing like, oh, hi there. And then it turns into this like, oh shit, this is getting pretty serious. Like, oh no, this is a heartfelt moment with the daughter and this guy, like where they're actually getting a very uh, uh, not Cinderella syndrome. What's it called? Like Nightingale syndrome? Oh, Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Thank you. I was going to say, what is it called? Sweden syndrome? Like, Sweden no, syndrome. dumbass. Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, uh, or that kind of thing. And then it becomes like, oh, wow, this is pretty serious. Nice. And then they be, and then, or, and then or the daughter finds out the mom's involved. And, like, why, why, why would you do this to me? And it's like, I did it for, you know, it becomes very heartfelt. We're like, oh, shit, this is no longer a comedy. And, and it legit stops being a comedy. Uh, it, it becomes like this it just drama turns and it never looks back. Yeah, it? yeah, and huh. I remember as I'm watching it with Gwen and, and Jackie because the first time we're like, this looks interesting. Let's watch. Gwen wanted to watch it, and I was like, I'm with you, Gwen. Let's do it. And, but we have to vote on this whole thing. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Friday we order Fate of the Furious. Okay. Because <laughs> we're you know we're doing a thing. Saturday we watched um, Belko Experiment. Have you seen that? Which one? Belko experiment. It's no, called. I haven't seen. James Gunn, the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy. That's another movie on it. So it's, it's a horror film, but it's about like these guys at a factory or an office, an office space type work that they have to kill each other because mm. or they die. They get they have bombs imploded in them. Oh, I see. So they're forced to like if you don't kill two, four will die. That kind of thing, right? That's the Belko experiment. It's really good movie. Tommy's oh, pick the prison experiment. Very similar. Really? That was, that was oh, ta- yeah. that, but but better. That was Tommy's <laughs> pick, um, yeah. and then Gwen's pick was Austin Family. We watched that Sunday, and uh, we're watching. And like I said, so we're watching it and we're laughing and like, oh yeah, this movie is pretty crazy. It's pretty funny, dark comedy, whatever. I don't know where it turns into a drama and it stays a drama. So like, oh shit. Yeah. Now I feel like it made us. It gave us a roller coaster of emotions in a good way. But highly recommend Austin Found if you haven't seen it. Check it out. Yeah. Damn. Well, Patrick Warburger is also in it. He's the uh, sheriff. Oh, okay. Patrick Warburger. Is it like one of those like small town movies? Like mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever see Drowning Mona? Yeah, I have. With Bette Midler. A long time like, ago. Like, is that anything kind of movie, like, right? Like early two thousands? I think. No, it was. It, it's not. It's not like that. But but I, I have seen that movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. And for some reason, it just had that vibe to it. I just wasn't sure if it was kind of like that. It was actually kind of closer to Fargo. Okay. Kind of, a little bit closer to that, yeah. Oh, or okay, so. if you ever saw Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage and uh, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. <laughs> John Lovitz. Kind of closer to that. But no, it, 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 it's it's an indie version of that kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, okay. Or even, cool. it's like that mixed with Little Miss Sunshine, you know? Because the mom mm. is obsessed with her daughter being a pageant girl. Actually, the daughter... Is one of the girls from Louis C.K.'s, uh, from Louis, like, uh, from the, it's one of Louis' daughters from the show. Oh, Louis. okay. Mm-hmm. So if she looks familiar to you, it's, it's, that's why. Oh, okay. Because I'm so watching the series. Uh, man, I love, Louis and Marin, they're the same show to me, but they're the, I love them both. Are you, are you watching Marin on Netflix too, or no? I'll probably hit that one up next. Hit it, I, I highly recommend it's, it. I it's like really good, it's know? really good. I mean, this is coming from, you know, I love Marin's podcast, so I'm a big fan, so I, he plays the perfect asshole to me. A charming asshole. Is that fair? A charming a charming asshole. He hmm. he plays uh, a better version of himself in Glow. I've told you about Glow, Oh, right? you told me about Glow, yeah. 
Antigone. When you get to that, please. Oh my god, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. But he, he's really becoming his own as far as acting goes. But he's a comedian, and he'll say it first for first and foremost, I'm a comedian. I'm not an actor. You know, he'll he'll say that himself. Right. So, but he's smart. You know, he, and he's one of these guys that Peggy Hill would have sold because he's one of the first guys that moved into like he lives in Highland Park. You know, oh, around yeah. the Boyle Heights East LA area. Uh, kind of like a more Mexican area, basically. And oh, he bought okay. the house just oh, like... Oh, one of those? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no fucking Obama was there, you know? Like, what do you... You know, that's kind of cool. I kind of like that, you know? I mean, do you, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Marin. He, he, to me, he's... Like, I look... You know, he, he's the obvious smart Jew, but in a... In a sarcastic kind of way <laughs> where it's cool. Condescending kind of way where, like, I like what oh. he has to say. But I saw, like, the episode where he came out on Louie, where, like, Louie goes to his house to apologize One of my favorites. Like, you done? You done? Like, you did this to me five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God damn it. Because yeah, Louie's, like, apologizing, like, because they, they did have a real beef. Actually, the, the Marin's most downloadable episode is a two-hour-long podcast he did with Louis C.K., where they kind of hash out all their beef, though, right? Oh, okay. So that's kind of where that episode is based out of. It's based out of an episode of Marion where where him and Louis kind of talk it out and why they started fighting because they were friends growing up, and then the how does the episode start? Sarah Silverman, right? She's uh, the one yeah. that calls him. Uh, she's watching. They're watching a thing on old comics, right? Yeah, like old comics, and it's like, oh, are you still watching? Yeah, and it's like uh, Mark Marin, like came on, and then it's like, oh, you should call him. You know, it's like really, like yeah, like you should go call him right now. You know, it's like well. Yeah, I don't know, you know. Uh, we kind of had a falling yeah, out. Yeah, this thing that happened. It's like... <laughs> and then I think, like, he's the only one who encouraged him to, like, kind of, like, I guess... Fucking genius! <laughs> <laughs> because he comes over and does his whole apology, and Mary's, like, in his boxers, like, kind of, like, just... Like, uh-huh. Like, he's just... Uh-huh. Like, okay, I gotta do this. Okay, like, and he's like, uh, he's like, you done? No, because Louis ends it with like we should hang out more. We should, we should, we could, we should start hanging out again. We should start doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, you done? And Louis kind of has this like, what's going oh, on? So, like, yeah, yeah. Like you literally said it to me about two years ago. You gave me this apology already. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Because like, like, really? I did. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man. And then Louis tries to play it off with like, oh shit, where I, well, I mean it this time. Should we hang out again? Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll call me. You'll call me. <laughs> like Marion's really very dismissive because he knows this is a phase, quote unquote, a phase that Louis is going through. Like, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> walking him out the door. So it's great. Like, yeah, uh-huh. It's so great, man. I love this episode, man. <laughs> I, I, I love that episode. Good. There's actually a really good episode of Marin where Danny Trejo's in it. Oh, okay. And he, they're they're in, uh, you know, because he's recovering. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Marin's a recovering currently. You know, he's he doesn't do drugs or, or smoke anymore. Oh, yeah. Marin grew up in the era with Sam Kinison, so oh, okay. he he was part of Sam Kinison's crew in the '80s at nice. the comedy store, and so he was really in it in it with him, and that so he is very you know that kind of thing. Well, anyways, um. Uh, there's this episode where Danny's his kind of sponsor. You know how they do sponsors? So Danny just got out of jail, and Marin is, is very... Uh, I love this episode. Uh, <laughs> I bought it, so I have it on like my phone all the time. Uh, Wait, is that on uh, Hulu, Netflix, or... Uh, currently, Netflix? it's on Netflix. Okay. Marin show, yeah. Um, I mean, I got it from iTunes, but currently, it's on Netflix. But uh, fucking Danny... Um, like, the show starts with Marin trying to get like a cup of coffee with ice in it. And the guy, the barista, quote unquote, 
behind is like, no, I don't do that. We don't do that. He's very like uh, smug, you know, very oh, pretentious. One of those, huh? And he's like, no, 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 we don't do that. Uh, get, you want to do that? Go to Starbucks. Go to your coffee bean. This is a uh, legit. You know, he's very, you know, <laughs> that kind of shit. The fucking coffee. Shop, and he's like, dude, what's your fucking problem? You know, Marin's like, what's your problem? Just give me some fucking ice, please. He's like. Uh, no, it's like, okay, can I have a coffee? Can I have a cup of coffee? Can I have a cup of ice on the side? <laughs> and it's like, no, I think you're going to put it in there. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> the guy's really, really an asshole. Like, oh my God, you know, Mary's like, whatever. So anyways, the, he goes to his uh, meeting. He meets anything who just got out of jail uh, in the story. Uh, San and, Quentin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, or Folsom. Did he go to Folsom or San Quentin? No, San Quentin. Uh, he was the boxing Quentin. champ of San yeah, Quentin. San Quentin. <laughs> And uh, and Marin's like, hey man, I I I've been what we've been through. Uh, want do you want a sponsor? I can. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, Danny Trejo, Danny Trejo, like yeah, man, you want to oh, fuck yeah. Oh, you want to? Uh, can you come with me? I have some errands to do. I could use my help. He's like, and uh, Marin's like, oh shit. Uh, okay, I guess I'm coming <laughs> along. And then uh, it's in the first season. You'll get to it when you get to it. Oh yeah. How and many seasons, Funny Jeff? It's three. Just three, three and it's done. By the way, it's oh, done. Okay. And um, Mark is like, oh, shit. Uh, okay. Kind of like, fuck, why did I agree to do this? This guy's already. You know. So they go to that same coffee shop back later. And <laughs> um, Marion asks for, like, the kind of thing he asked for, the extra whatever. And then uh, the guy's like, uh, no, we didn't do that. So Danny Trejo starts giving him that fucking, that fucking Mexican stare. That, <laughs> or, you know, that Danny Trejo stare. The machete stare. You know, right. Nice. He's like, you wanted some fucking eyes, Holmes. And like, that kind of shit, right? <laughs> And then the guy's like, uh, yeah, sure, okay, whatever you want. You're not gonna think. So then Mary says, uh, like, yeah, and I want, I want that donut too. <laughs> Can I have that donut? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> like, oh man, this might be, this might work out after all, right? Mary's like, tells him, like, okay, cool. But it was just so funny to me that scene. Good shit, he man. ends up doing like almost fucking murder, almost fucking murdering somebody. And Mary's like, dude, what are you talking to matter? Like, what are you doing? Like, this is the guy that ratted me out. This is why I'm in jail. I have to kill him. Now. <laughs> and Mary's like, no, man, you're trying to change your life. Come on, just kick his ass a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, you know that kind of thing. And then there's like a this actually ends really sweet. Like there's a little pinata that he's carrying around. Marin thinks it's cocaine. Or drugs, whatever it is. And he's like, oh, this is my last stop. This is the last stop, man. I appreciate you driving me around, but this is the last stop. And it's like the nighttime by this time of day. It's a little pinata that he's holding the whole day, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, man, just fucking hurry up. Do what you're going to do, man. I'm fucking, you know, he's kind of like frustrated. Danny Trejo goes to the door, and it's his granddaughter's birthday party. She's like nine. And um, the mom, she, the daughter, the granddaughter answers the door. and She's like... Abuelito, you know, she's like that. <clears throat> and then the, oh, this is actually pretty sad, actually. But it ends really good. Man. Oh, yeah. So the daughter, the mom comes, and he, which is his daughter, and he's like, I told you you can't come around here anymore. You got to, you know, that kind of thing. He's like, I just wanted to leave this for, and it's a pinata for his daughter, for his granddaughter's birthday yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you can't be doing this. You got to give me a heads up before you come. I don't want you around here without me. And he's like, I know. I'm just trying to get my life back together. I know. I know. And he ends really sadly. Like, right? Yeah. Very, very sadly. Goes back to the garden. Marin, Marin's like, because he was looking at it the whole completely perspective, right? He's, yeah. He's looking at it like, man, fucking hurry up so we can get out of here. And that kind of thing. Like, do your thing, whatever. Because he just came from, this guy was just about to kill this other, the snitch that snitched him out, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's looking at it the whole different perspective. And he's thinking he's doing a drug deal. And like, come on, let's go. And he, he's kind of, Marin sees what's going on. Like, oh, shit, man. You know, 
those family troubles and that kind of thing. And Marin goes like, "Let's go, man." And then Marin just looks at him and goes like, "Ah, man, one one day at a time, brother. I've been there too." And then like, "Thanks, man. Thanks." It, was, it ends really sweetly. Like, huh. "Oh shit, man!" Like, Love it. Love it's it. a funny episode. It's a great episode, and it's it's about the whole episode is about like sobering up and making amends for what you're doing. Part of the twelve steps. Yeah, part of the. I guess. Uh, like, yeah. my name is Earl. My name is real shit, but but the it, it's all hilarious up to I guess there's some real shit where what's what's going on is going on, you know, and and that's when you comes to the people you really hurt, the people they care about, the the daughter, the fucking grandkid, the you know the whole thing, and then Mary and Rilla are like, oh shit, this guy really is you know going through shit, you know, let me let me be there for him when I need to be there. For yeah, him. yeah. It, it, the show is great. I really highly recommend it. Louis is really close to that too. Louis actually got depressing as the show went on. Uh, like a lot of the later seasons are all like, oh my God, Louis, what are you doing? Like there's a lot of times in Louis where I didn't even laugh at all, but I, it still felt emotional. By the way, are you, have you watched on Hulu, Horace and Pete? No, 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 I haven't gotten to that one. That's yet. another one. That, like, that, like, I'm gonna get to it. Don't, it, don't, to it. but don't expect to laugh. No, I'm not. If like, you laugh, it's a bonus. But, it, but if you feel something, I expect like, that. I read the thing about it, like where it's not supposed to be like. No, it's, it's like um, a play. It's like a. It's like you're watching a play in New York. Like a fucking like a I don't know like a depressed Russian novelist or something. Yeah, hey, that's pretty damn close to depressed Russian novelist. You know? Like, yeah, like I but read really the good. thing about it, so I'm like, all right, like. I like, like, yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. You know, highly recommend it. I really liked it. It's on Hulu, yeah. you said? It's on Hulu. Yeah, I think it's currently still on there. Yeah, because I, I finished it already, so I'm not. But yeah, yeah. Last, it's only like nine episodes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm super down for this. So. Really good. Highly recommend. All right, man. We're coming to two hour mark. Uh, anything? Anything else, uh, Lovey? You want to hit on? Oh, man. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Um, I love this Chris Jensen. Isn't he great? He's a cool dude, is man. awesome, man. Really cool Richard guy, awesome. too. Really, really cool guy. We'll meet him. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll do our thing, man. Nah, I'm, I'm super down. Like, I'm we'll, on the podcast. You know, take a lift down there or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure that out. But, yeah, I'm super down for that. like this stuff. Um, yeah, anything you want to hit on? Anything you want to top? Uh, oh, we didn't get to the Trump transgender shit. <laughs> okay, the Trump thing. I don't know, man. What should we even touch on it? The whole uh, Chris Beck. No, not Chris Beck, but, well, he's the, uh, or she, excuse me, she's right. the transgender Navy SEAL. Did I tell you that story from the, from uh, his her book? Uh, which one? It's uh, called uh, Warrior Princess. Warrior Princess? Uh, it's the one, like, the first time he came out to, like, a fellow Navy SEAL on a boat fishing oh, trip. Oh, okay. He's, like, on a, he's on the boat, and they're fishing, and he's like, says, like, I'm going to go grab some more beer for us. And he goes and he puts on a dress and comes back out, and you know, all fucking like transvestite, like <laughs> fucking uh, RuPaul drag racey, tranny. Yeah, and then the guy looks at him like, "What the fuck?" And then you know, Chris Black goes like, "Yeah, man, this is this is me. This is what I do. This is me. This is how I feel." He's like, "Whatever, homo, grab me another beer." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like that was that was it. That was just the whole dismissal. That was it. Like, Whatever, fact, grab me a beer, bitch. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And it was just like that to me. That like represented like that's how it should be. You know, that's exactly how it is, right. and that's how it should be. It was the same way in the Marines. We had a gay guy in our camp with us, and I remember nobody gave a fuck. We even still showered at this guy. Nobody, nobody was not dumb. Gave a fuck. It was like yeah, whatever. As long as he's got my back, being, you know, right in the in war or, or in the battlefield. No, I don't give a fuck on shit if he likes dick or not. Whatever. And I think I don't know, man. People, it's like it seems like. 
that whole thing with like uh, you know obviously Trump you know decided to repent and he called he claimed it was for financial reasons or whatever the fuck you and say I, whatever yeah I mentioned it before but it was it, I think what it would have cost is like 4.2 million out of like a 6 billion dollar budget that the military has for healthcare Marine Corps don't see none of that anyway so who gives a shit right <laughs> Uh, we get the hand-me-downs of the army or navy. Oh, we literally we do. No bullshit. Out of every dollar that the military gets, the marines get six cents. That's very true. Damn, very true statistic. So that's why we're always having hand-me-downs, or that's why we have to do. They teach us like the old school, the old school way of doing missions. Like for my specific battle, uh, MOS, you know, military occupation. Uh, they. Uh, what people would have computers for, we literally have to do the whole thing with our calculator and our in in a very long sheets of paper with math on it, oh, shit. just to get the numbers right. You know, just be, just is, that's just the way it is. Anyways, like we don't get m- that money anyway, so we're not gonna see it. But nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck if you're a fucking Muslim. No one gives a fuck if you're fucking gay. No one gives a fuck if you're transgender. In the in the Marines, really, we really don't give a fuck. We tell you if you make a big deal out of it. Like if you're literally being a drama queen for it, that's what we'll call you. We're gonna, <laughs> dude, we're gonna call you out on it. Like, dude, shut the fuck. Grab your fucking gun. Make sure you complete your mission. You know, that, it, like the importance is the survival mode. Actually, yeah, Kinda, yeah. I think I brought this up last week with Danny. But like, once your survival needs are met, then you can worry about everything else. You know, like no, there's no starving kid in South South America or, or in Africa. There's no kid that's worried about getting his next meal that has like, man, I feel I feel like a woman inside. There's no boy. I'm hungry really, and I'm yeah. feeling feminine. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in third world countries. That happens in first world countries where you can tell a boy is gay or not, or a girl that has sexual feelings for another. You can tell that shit early on. That doesn't happen in countries where they literally need to strive for survival. And it's kind of the same aspect you bring to it in the military specifically. Like you're you're in situations where your survival depends on the the person next to you, to your left or your right. Who gives a fuck what religion they? Who gives a fuck if they're Christian just like you, but they believe in in Lutheran form or in oh, right. or in uh you know whatever you know what I'm talking about Calvinism. whatever denomination Ca- you know. whatever denomination it is Calvinism yeah. Catholics you know uh, Greek Orthodox who is gives Calvinism a fuck? still a thing I'm, probably <laughs> I, you know. No one, no one care, no one cares what specific right. police structure you have, as long as you got my back. Survival was first and foremost the most important thing. After everything else, everything just falls into the place. And I think that's kind of the aspect that we forget as people. And that's kind of the aspect that the military will have for you towards transgenders and towards gays and towards whatever belief structure you have that's not n- to the norm. You know, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you, well, I mean, what are your thoughts as a civilian of the, hearing these news? Or it, like, I would say that the you know they're out doing like all this shit that I'm not doing. Like they're doing it, so I'm just like fucking just driving to work one day or fucking hanging out at a bar another day. Like, and I could do that with these, like, right. you know, like, like do you? You're doing you, you're doing me. It doesn't matter. Can you be a little bit more specific? What do you mean by they're out doing... Uh, who, who are you referring to? Like, 
Like, I mean, like, like I never joined the service. Okay, you mean service members doing, like, fighting for the country or whatever. Right, absolutely. I mean, because that's, like, who he's targeting. Like, if you're transgender, like, you cannot serve in the military. Right. It's like, why would you, like, take that away? Like, who do you expect to, like, step up to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody has, like, the balls, you know, no pun intended, you know, to, like... That's funny. You know, <laughs> to go do that, you know, like, hey, man, or, like, do you. Like, right, right, I right. I appreciate you, like, what you do. Like, you know, we got, you know, like, in the family, we got you, we got Mono, you know, like, you guys, you know, like, you've you know, like, put in your share to, like, you know, what you do. And, mm-hmm. like, you've earned that. Like, why would you want to take something like that away from, from like, someone just because of, like, who they are, you know? Just because, right. like, you know, like, if you want to be, like, a bigot or a hate monger or whatever, like, like, don't, like, you you don't have to diminish, like, somebody's, like, humanness. Yeah, you know, it's you know? funny because with him specifically, I don't even think it's coming from a form of hate or prejudice I really think that he's catering to the people that are going to vote for him or the people that support him like you know what most people that support me are probably anti-transgender so I'm going to have to I'm going to pretend to be this point of view and that's what's kind of sad about it like it's uh, like anybody outside of that conservative bubble it's like he knows who's catering to when he makes a decision like this right and like, oh shit, I'm gonna have all these fucking conservative right wings, whatever the fuck, yep. whoever yeah, the fuck, yeah, right, right. pretty much the ones who are actually hate monitors. He's gonna and and I and I really don't feel like he specifically Trump is making these decisions based on his personal feelings. Well, he's a businessman. He's, he's not a politician. So he's, he's not a businessman. So he's looking for the green, right? Whatever gets him. There. Absolutely. You know, there's a great scene in The Believer. Uh, do you remember The Believer? Oh, absolutely. Love oh, the great, film. Man. Ryan, Gos- Ryan Gosling. Man. Yeah. And he uh, he talks about when he's trying to get funding for the organization, and he's 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 trying to get funding from this executive, whatever. He's just like, "Oh, you gave so and so twenty thousand dollars," and he's like, "Well, things are possible back then. Now, bottom line, you can't. I'll give you five Whatever. Like, he's like, "What are you talking about? Like, you're a Jew. You're you don't you don't even believe for the cause. You're you're a Jew. You're just acting just like them. You only care about money." He's like, and the guy responds like, maybe we're maybe we're all Jews now. Money is the only thing that matters, and it sucks that the the Judaism thing is in coalition with the whole money thing. Right, it's, that's it's, a stereotype. Stereotype, definitely. But but the point that the guy's making is about how like all, the only thing that matters is the bottom line. The money matters. So we're all Jews in that sense. As far as the stereotype of Jews go, we're all Jews because we only care about money. And as far as businessmen go, that's what he's caring about. Even though he's a white supremacist, he does he'll do business with whoever the fuck because principles and values don't matter to him anymore. Even though those principles and values are of white supremacy, it doesn't matter to him. It's all about the green. It's all about the bottom line, and that's how it's I feel. To an end. That's how I feel that that Trump's coming from. He's the guy who only cares about getting his opposition. Let's get let's get some more money. So when people come by like, oh, Trump's a racist. I don't think he's a racist. I think. I think all he sees is green. I think really he's going to say whatever the fuck he needs to say to get him to get more green. And that's more voters. And that's more the white conservative right. And that's what he's catering to. When he talks about talking shit on Muslims or talking shit on immigrants or talking shit on whoever the fuck he's talking shit. He's saying things that are going to get him more money. And I really don't think he's releasing any of this. Now, whether you rate him. Like, okay, well, is that diminished? Like, okay, that doesn't make me feel any better about him. Okay, so he's not a racist. He's just greedy. Fuck him still. Like, okay, but that means that's your I opinion. I mean, it's capitalism. Mm-hmm. That's Which, to, I mean, to a lot of people, that's worse than racism. 
Capitalism to a lot of people greed is worse than racism greed is worse than prejudice greed is worse than that To some people though, they're like, oh, I can see where he's coming from. He's just trying to make the money To me personally as far as someone who thinks he has morals. I don't know if I do or don't but I'm I'm, I'm not I would never dare say like, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. Fuck you if I ever say that fuck you <laughs> You know, I'll say that to myself. I'm talking to you right now, Steve. Fuck you. Don't ever say that <laughs> No, I, I, I tr- someone who tries to be a person like I I, I don't you know, like the movie Blow, money isn't real. I try oh, not yeah. to be very into the whole money thing or rich, which is obviously an you know an aggregate, uh for rich. Being being rich is not. There's no. Yeah. Actually, you know, Jim Carrey said something very, very. I really like what he said. He said he wishes everybody could be rich so they could see that's not the answer. Right. I really yeah. like that. Quote, that's a great man. quote. I really like that. What was yeah. that thing that he said? Uh, like, it was just recently. Shit. I wish I could find because it, it, it's a really good speech about how like suffering is important. Suffering is important, and uh, man, piss me off. I said that. I've been saying that since no, I was like I know, ten. I know, I know, God damn it! He, he said that. God damn it! I've been saying that since I was ten. He's ripping me off. No, but like he's. Uh, I literally have suffering he's a as a celebrity, so that's I literally, why he's important and nobody else matters. I literally have suffering as a blessing tattooed on me, man. <laughs> and I remember when I got it, when I got suffering as a blessing. I remember there's this one girl who was who I was a coworker of mine. And, she was not bright. She's like, suffering is a blessing. Why would you get that? That's dumb. I was like, oh. I remember looking at her like, I remember did a slow eye roll towards like her face like, oh my God. You dumb bitch. You stupid bitch. Uh, what is like Dan Aykroyd and Jane, uh, what's her face like? Jane, you stupid slut. <laughs> you ignorant slut or whatever from Saturday Night Live. When they did the weekend update together. Uh, Jane Curtin? Jane Curtin is like, Jane, you <laughs> ignorant slut. Whenever she'd make a point that was wrong, <laughs> like Dan Eckford, I was either. Like, I remember, I was like, what? You don't have. De-. I remember she told me like this. What? You don't have suffering as a blessing tattooed. You're not that dumb. And I remember looking at her like, oh, <laughs> like, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> like, I just remember thinking like, how, no, like, how is suffering not a blessing? Like, and that's where that whole, you know, you know, I've said this on the podcast before about how anybody who grew up without suffering is has low character. Has you can't not or at the very, at the at the most they're shitty people. At the least they're just uninteresting people. <laughs> Everybody, all of my friends who are worth a damn have have fucked up lives. Like you I'm, need that shit. That's what keeps you humble. I mean, it, it's um. It's going back to the Batman Begins things, like apathy. You know, you need tragedy to break you up out of apathy. Or else you're just not going to... You're going to be this bland fucking dude that just follows whatever the fuck. I don't know. It's just... But, like, doesn't it happen... Like, regardless of whether or not you believe in something, like, it'll happen to you. Like, there will be those moments where, you know, there's going to be something that's going to give you a reality check. Well, I mean, I, I hope so. But we've both met guys who are like, oh, they haven't really gone through anything in their life. And... When they're in their twenties and thirties, they're gonna have that fucking oh, okay, that gotcha. fucking you know five hundred days of summer thing, right? Or whatever, where they start you know over the littlest thing that's not really a big deal because because we've been to a hundred funerals by the time we were <laughs> fucking you know ten, right, right, right? And you know, and the guy who all of a sudden lost somebody in his life is can't go on or whatever the fuck you know. Like, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah, I did. Suffering literally is a blessing. Suffer, you know. I don't know what Jim Carrey said, and I don't know what you're referring to, but no, no, yes, he, I, he just had this thing like we're uh, humble industries. <laughs> had this like you know like thing that he was talking to him about like how 
um, you know, they like, like if you've made it this far, you know, where you want to change your life around, because you know they're like you know ex convicts and you know that whole bit. Right, right. Like if, I can't remember. That's how we started off. Like if you made it this far, that means you've acknowledged it and you've accepted it. That you like, despite like anything that you've kind of come before this, you want to make a change in your life. And uh, he has this whole bit about you know accepting God in Christ. Oh right, right, right. You know, yeah. I mean people Fuck use LCD. people use. Uh, I don't want to say religion because fuck religion, but like the whole God in Christ thing, they use that as a. Actually, it's actually, an excuse. To that, me, it's always been like an excuse. Is that what AA is based on? Like they use that as a high, higher power. They oh. use higher power as something to submit to. It's um, uh, it's uh, the what the fuck is a creed? I remember because we had to say it like like you know when I got my DUI, I had mm-hmm. to like you know, do all this court order shit. Like I had to go to AA. And like at the beginning of every um, every meeting, you know, we have to like recite the pledge. It's a uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and, and change the things I can't. It's a uh, God grant me the grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to, to change the things I can, and the courage, the courage or slash wisdom depending on to where you're at know to the know difference. the difference. But you know that's the alcoholic's prayer, and that is a real prayer. But the whole point of Alcoholics Anonymous is that you have to believe in a higher power in order for that system to work. And that doesn't necessarily make it true to someone who doesn't believe in a higher power. So how are you gonna so how are you gonna say that to someone who's an atheist? How are you gonna force them to you need to find a different angle, that kind of thing, you know, which is, you know a little unfair to those who if there's an atheist as an alcoholic, well, how are you going to help him if you, the whole, your whole system is based around someone that you right. are forced to be a creationist? That's where your, your help comes from. That's where, like, I don't want to call it a crutch. No, but it's a submission thing, which it's hard to submit to a higher power when you don't believe in a higher power, you know, right. that kind of thing. So it's, it's a little unfair to people who, you know, at the time in their lives, they're trying to redeem themselves, but they don't. Your structure is ba- not that I don't want to say alcohol isn't a good thing because it is. It absolutely. I mean, is. it helps people. It, it helps, does help. I've seen it, but it helps a certain. It helps, it helps a certain type of person. I'll say that. It has a certain type of person that has to fill, fit into that bubble first. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't believe in that higher power shit. You know, a lot of people. So it, how are you going to help those people? You need a different answer, and they don't have one right now. You know. I mean, they're just there because it's court-ordered. Well, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people that want help that are atheists. You know, I'm talking about people that want help, but they they go to AA and that structure isn't built around them. No, people that oh, go there they're just too drunk. People that go there that atheist are atheist is only spelled with one A. Not that makes A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A. sense. Not triple A. Yeah, triple <laughs> uh, A for for a DUI assist, right? <laughs> no, uh, no, because you know, be. I'm not considering anyone who's court-ordered because, no, if you don't want to be there, you're not going to be there. If you're court-ordered, you're just doing what you have to do, you know, obviously. I mean, I went once, like, before. Like, before you were ordered. Court ordered yeah. you know? And what did you find? Like, like it's one, whenever we have Melchor on, because mm-hmm. he's the one who took me. He's the one who, it, it was right after, like, his, uh, his, DUI. his DUI. Yeah. You know, um, it was, like, over there in L.A., like, Went to the spot. There were actually, like, uh, a couple of celebrities, like, in the crowd, you know? But, like, when you're like, there, Do you it's... remember who they were? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. But, you're drunk, uh, huh? No, I was probably hungover. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, like that, that's what I remember, you know, just being there. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, like, outside shit. It was just, like, 
the vibe was different, you know, when they they would have um, different speakers on. You know, like, oh, hi, my name is this and that, you know, and I'm but, an alcoholic. But did you feel excluded because you weren't in that, what they were pertaining to? Well, no, you know, like, it was just like, it was a completely new experience. I've never, you know, like, I like I never experienced that before, you know. It's like, all right, we're going to go to A, like, we went, you know, like, he had, like, a couple of friends in there, too. And um, it was just like you know, like all these like chairs all over the place. You know, everybody sitting down. Yeah. And um, like there was this like lady. This is like one of the things that I remember from it that always stuck out. She was sober for like I don't know, like maybe twenty, thirty years, and then she relapsed. That's the long. Yeah. You know, she was an older lady. You know. How old was she? Uh, she was probably like in her fifties, if not more. That's actually younger, younger than I thought. So okay. Like. Well, her story starts off when she was young and she went, you know, like, you know, she was in school and like dropping out of school, you know, drinking because like her parents, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but her parents, you know, like they also had problems with alcohol yeah, and right. drugs, drugs and alcohol because she grew up in like in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. 60s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she struggled, you know, she has, you know, she was married, she had a family and this and that. But uh, because of, you know, her problems with that, you know, like. And they'll be getting divorced. She was living on the streets. There was this one story she told where she was, uh, she took a train because she was uh, from somewhere in the LA area. She took a train up to Santa Barbara and that she was just living on the beach for I don't know how long. And there was just like this one part where she was saying, where you know, like her first uh, um, was a what do you call the moment of clarity. Because, uh, like, in a Pulp Fiction, where uh, Jules has to... Well, alcoholics yeah, refer to as the moment of clarity. clarity. And the like, that, that's the, an like, epitome, yeah. That's the first no, time that I heard of it. Epiphany, excuse me. That I like, it. outside of the movie. Because I'd never heard of it, you know, besides the movie. Hmm. And then she talked about it, you know, where she was uh, living on the beach and, you know, doing drugs with, like, people under, like, some bridge nearby. Yeah. And, you know, there was this point where she says, like, she was, like, looking up at the moon... And uh, she, she thought to herself, like, you know, like, like no human could have created that. Like, mm. Not even getting to, like, the whole, like, you know, like, uh, like, nobody's ever been on the moon or the moon doesn't exist or anything like that. Right, right. The conspiracies about yeah. the moon. Like, she said, like, nobody could have created that, like, here on Earth. You know, that there's something beyond me, beyond, like... Something telling me is there should be... Yeah. Like, like Man, I, I'm, I tell you, I mean, I'm a creationist. I do believe in the God and the higher power, but I hate when I hear shit like that. I hate it. Because it's just... It's so easy to dismiss. Because that's very dismissible. Oh, yeah. like... You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But, like, you know, like... She was just saying, you know, like... That was, like, her epiphany. Her For her, personally. Yeah, for her, you mm-hmm. know. Like, she, like, you know... She was doing drugs with all these people for... I don't know how long. Living on the beach. Like, as a fucking bum. She was homeless. And I just kept thinking, like... Man, she has a family, like, over here and this and then. But she's, like, living in shit. Yeah. But there was just this moment where she was, like... She was looking up at the moon and thinking, like... Nope. Like... That's like the thought that popped into her head. Which, to be her. fair, that's man, I could see that happening too. You know, I could see that happening where you look at the celestial sky and then everything pops through your head and you're like, 
no, no, no. This is this is whatever feels right is real, you know. Right, right. To be to her defense, that is, I could see that happening, you know. Yeah. Like, it was just a different perspective because right. that's all life mm-hmm. is like. You know, everybody mm-hmm. has a different perspective. Yeah, and but, you can either take what you can. From but it, if you acknowledge that every life has a different perspective, and you acknowledge that some are fallible and some are not, why can't you acknowledge that that may that if everybody has if you acknowledge that everybody has a different perspective, then you have to acknowledge the fact that. Everything may be bullshit, right? Right, and and in the same sense that, like, hey, I, I admit that I like bad movies, but just admit that it's a bad movie. I admit that I like bad bands or bad groups, but I admit that or bad music, but I admit that it's bad. You know, the whole like the really what constitutes something as bad? Because it's everyone like, wants to say, oh, well, to each his own, because whatever is objective, right? And I and remember I went through this in the last episode. I'm not doing that any bullshit anymore where it's something's objective because, like, well, everyone has their own taste. So what you find good. Yeah, but what some people like some retarded shit. I was just going to let me get to that. What you find good or what you find bad is, well, that's what you find good. And well, that's what you find bad. But that's not what I find good. Or what I, find bad. I don't agree with that anymore at all, because now I, I know there's a line. And that's kind of how I feel about music. That's how I feel about movies. And that's how I feel about God or religion, whatever, in mm-hmm. general. Like, like uh, personally, I think the Smiths, music-wise, I'm using them as an example because I've used them before on the podcast. Or should I use somebody else just so not to switch it up? Or I guess it doesn't matter. I'll use the Smiths. Uh, I think their music sucks. I think it's bad music. I think... Like, in terms of... I think specifically Johnny Martin, his tone... Is really range worthy to listen to. I think it's like an AM radio on st- on fucking steroids. His, I love his, his shit. Just, his, just to let you know, I love his shit. Okay, his fucking guitar sounds. His tone is literally nails on a chalkboard. Like, oh my god, who who uh, compare him to someone like someone easy like Santana, whose tone is very very beautiful, right? Well, they're different. Yes, they're different, and one's good and one's bad. That's how they're different. No, like Johnny Martin's tone on his music is fucking cringeworthy. It's literally I don't on think so, man. I don't. No, think you so. like his music, but it's bad music that you like. And this is what I was talking about. Like the room, mm. the room is a gr- is is a fucking enjoyable movie, but it's one of the worst movies of all but time. But it's like now now Smith, it hits you in a certain way, and you like the Smith because. The mu- some of the music is good and some of the songs are great, but it's bad music. Some of the songs are very uh, enjoyable, but it's bad music. No, I disagree. I disagree. I'm sure you do, but as a musician, you should know. No, that's that because you're comparing. Why? You're comparing. Let's say, so, okay, so who's a good musician? Trent Reznor. Who's a good musician? Thelonious Monk. Now compare Thelonious Monk to Johnny Mars. Get the fuck out of here. That's that's your opposite sides of the moon. Dark side of the moon, light side of the moon. Well, they're not even on the same. It's like, not. I get like as you know, far, as far as quality goes, you're right. They're not on the same. No, but like the loneliest monk. I mean, like as a jazz musician. Nope, like, we're talking about good music and bad music. The no, is good. I, no, you can. You yeah, can. absolutely. No, everybody I can, keeps man. saying music is subjectable. Everybody keeps saying to each his own on music, and I disagree. No, no, so but much. yeah, that's like even on the opposite end of like that other spectrum. I, no. I completely disagree because everybody wants. That's the easy way out. Easy way out because nobody wants to admit that there's some bad music that people just like. And I'm comparing. That's not bad music. I don't believe that's bad music at all. Man, at all. honestly, dude, 
everybody's saying that on okay so you're looking at something like from a musician's perspective there's no way you can say that Johnny Mars's tone on his guitar is as good as someone like Buddy Guy right and you want to say like well it's just different because it's different types of music man it, you got to look at it from an objective point of view it is subjective yeah you have to look no, at no, it no, that it's way. Su- subjective but you have to be objective about it because I be, like to, his tone I like his tone like anytime like even when we're in the cover band man, man like it's we were literally doing, like, nails like, on a chalkboard no I disagree yeah man. no I can't it. now no. now you like nails on a chalkboard that's that's on you well I don't I but don't, you have to. You're be, right because there is shitty music. Right, but you I just have don't to, think Johnny Marr falls into that he category. Absolutely does. Yeah. No, I we'll, can't. We'll, yeah. we'll take a vote on it. So let's take a uh, let's let's play it for the uh, audiences and whoever comes back as you know playing it. Uh, we'll play so we're gonna song. like play a song. Yeah, we'll play. We'll play Johnny. I'll put I'll put in Johnny Marr's tone. Whatever. Let's see what pops up, and we'll take a vote on that. Right? Because that's how we define whether you know the majority or majority. Right. What? I mean, I'm just thinking all the Smith songs and yeah, Smith songs or Smith tones. Let's see, uh... because whether you like the songs or not is kind of irrelevant. I'm 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 coming from a musician's point of view because his tone is garbage. How is he garbage though? Because it sounds like shit. How? Because it sounds like an AM radio. Like, I'm trying to follow, but I just can't, man. Because, I mean, like, what he was doing, like, way back then, like, people are still emulating now. Like, as far what's as, like, a, What's he, an old Smith song? Like, I'm trying to... Uh, like, uh, what difference does it make? What's a John, John, uh, John Marr song? Johnny Marr, like, Johnny Marr and the Healers? Oh, shit. Uh, Alright, just pick one. We're yeah, dead here. Just uh, yeah, pick uh, an old song. An just, old song. Just put uh, just what difference does it make? Because it's just the song that I really like. It's a song you really like. It's a good like. God damn it! Fucking commercial. Thanks, Chris Nolan. I heard it's good. Uh, actually, I heard it's brilliant. Boom, right there. You hear that? Garbage. I like that twang, man. You like the twang, but it's garbage. It's not pretty garbage. But just because you like something doesn't mean it's not garbage. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I no, I get it, but like, like I'll compare, I'll, I'll, I'll compare his guitar playing to the room. As far as like, I really love the room, and I'll, I'll watch the room like a hundred times. But it's garbage. It's a garbage movie. And his quote-unquote twang, that tone is, oh, my God, it's unbearable. Whether I like the songs or not that he plays with it. No, I get it. But that's just how you see it, though. See, that's the objective that I'm talking about. Like, how are you going to say like something me. that you like is like, you know, like... Because everything's subjective. And I'm tired of people saying that with music, with movies, with art in general, right? Art in general, everybody's saying like, well, to each his own. Well, if you like it, why, what's this, why are you... Why is your way the way going and not somebody else's the way they interpret it? Right. Because that's art. Nobody has a standard anymore. But then everything's just fucking... Okay, so in that case... Uh, what's the guy's name from Limp Biscuit? So I can make an, an example of it. 
guitar? Uh, yeah. Uh, West Portland? West Portland. Oh, in that case, West Portland, to me, he's the greatest guitar player of all time. He's uh, a pretty good guitar player, mind you. He sucks. He's bad as shit. No, he's, he's good. Like, worst. Not even on the record. Like, if you've uh, ever seen... Compare West Borland to Stevie Ray Vaughan. There's an extreme... There's, like, a thing. That's what I'm talking about. This is exactly... Your your pause right there is exactly what I'm talking about. Because... And that's what I was looking for. That pause. Because, because now we're like, oh, okay, wait. Well, we'll see Ray Vaughan, one of the best top ten guitarists of all time, easily. Demi Hendrix, whoever you want to say, right? And now we have West okay. Borland. Like, okay, well, now that's like, uh, okay. Yingui, West Borland, he's a really good guitarist. Well, let's compare him to Yingui Malmsteen. Oh, well, never mind. Well, I meant in this level. he's. A, so it's like everything's subjective up to the point where you want to be realist about it. Nobody, with art specifically, no one's afra- everyone's afraid to take a stand. And that's why I, I, I feel like I have to make a stand. Like, nope, you know what? This is the level we're setting and everything else is shit compared. Because everyone's too into this whole well, to each his own. Or, well, that's what you feel about it. Well, that's how you interpret it. It's his no, art. but no, like I, I like what he does, man. Like he, you like what he does, but you also like shitty music. No, I disagree. You, you don't, you don't, you don't like shitty music. What do you mean? I like shitty music. No, I know, but you can like say that something shitty just because like you have your own standards. Your own. See, standards. that's what I'm talking about. That's what, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, so um, uh, did it all for the cookie nookie. I, I fucking rock the shit out of song. But I love cookies. I, um, uh, well, let's not bring, you know, the humor thing into it because then it diminishes everything. But let's, 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 who does it? I love cookies too. But are we talking about cookies or are we talking about shitty music? We're talking about cookie music. So I did it all for the cookie or nookie. What's the song called? It's nookie. It's nookie. So one of the worst songs of all time. I rock the shit out of it, but I acknowledge that it's bad. And even so, I'm still enjoyable. Now my standard is set because I know the difference between good music and bad music. And I know the difference between enjoyable music and bad music. Now, everyone's so afraid to say like, fuck, I like that song. No, it's not bad. I'm willing to say it's good and not bad as opposed to like, it's a, it's a bad song, but I still like it. And that's how I feel about all kinds of music. We're using Johnny Mars as an example, just because he's one that you like and one that I dislike. Right? Yeah. We're using him as an example because it's the perfect catalyst for that. But in reality, like, Oh no, he's a bad guitar player. But he's a great guitar player, right? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. He's a bad guitar player, but John, Bob Dylan, he's a horrible guitar player, but he makes good music. But I mean, how is he horrible? This is what I'm talking about. No one has a standard for me. You compare him to someone who's actually a good guitar player and like, oh, yeah, he fucking sucks, but he makes good music or he makes bad music, but he's enjoyable music. But everyone's afraid to say something that's to the negative or to the contrary because they'd like the music that he plays. Even though it so it's afraid of admitting something that may be bad. Why is it so easy to do that with movies and not with music? Why is it so easy to admit that it's a shitty movie, but you still like watching it, even though... Like, which movie, though? Street Fighter. Mortal Kombat. The Room. Like Face like, Off. The Rock. like we grew up with. Con Air. I mean, I'm going to keep going on and on, but horrible movies. Tommy Boy. Black Sheep. These are horrible movies. Horrible Cop- in terms of what? In t- Coppola wouldn't make this. In times of Brian De Palma wouldn't make this. Who are good movies. He did Black Dahlia. Great movie. That's what we're talking about. So we have a standard or we have a set standard of what a good movie is. And then we have everything lumped in between. But these movies are shitty, but they're fun and they're enjoyable. 
but no one wants to admit that these movies are fun and uh, nobody wants to put what they like into a category with shit, even though there is a definite standard. And as we're growing up, especially with, especially with music, for whatever reason, there's something we hold on to. Like, no, that's right. your opinion. And that's my opinion. And that's how we have it set because you can interpret this in that way. Actually, with art in general. There's like, especially you can almost say like, uh, especially with that pretentious bullshit that we're having more and more currently with modern art, where like I put a box in the middle of the room, like that's art, and I interpreted it as beautiful. Well, oh, because I've never seen a box in the middle of. Well, a room. I interpret it as fucking bullshit, yeah. And like, <laughs> oh, well, you just don't know. Well, I interpret it this so, and to me, my own, and to each his own. Like, are we afraid? Are we? Are we coming to that age where we're afraid to call shit what it is? Shit, just because you like that box in the room as a piece of art. And by all means, if it hits you, dude, if you cry because that box of the, hits you in an emotional way, own it, own it. But realize that that's a piece of shit art. And you're comparing that to Van Gogh. You're comparing that to Picasso. Fuck you. And everyone's afraid to compare something to another piece because everything's, quote unquote, open to interpretation, how it affects them themselves without having that standard of what quality really is. What's and quality? What the quality is that standard that we've met with what I tell you. Well, I made that example of Steve Ray Vaughan. I made that example of Johnny Marr. Completely different. Now, you may happen to like Johnny Marr music, or and you may happen to not like Steve Ray Vaughan music, but you know there's a quality set where, like, oh, no, that's actually really good. This actually probably ain't that good. But I enjoy this guy's music more than that guy's music. But no one wants to admit that because everybody's afraid to say what so they like enjoy. So, like, if one makes you feel good and one makes you feel different, that one's bad and that one's good? No, not at all. Now you're, you're Because I'm trying, to like figure, I'm trying to, like, find your... I'm giving you the standard. I've used the movie thing as an standard. Like, Tommy Boy, bad movie. Black Sheep, bad movie. Super enjoyable. I love these movies. Dumb and Dumber, bad movie. Farley Brothers, let's be honest, they make bad movies. They're not good at film directors. They make some of the best movies I've ever seen in my fucking life, but they're not good film directors. Brian De Palma's a good film director. David Lynch is a great film director. Uh, in reference to what? Like, where's like, there has to that's be what I'm talking point, about right? because it's art. Everybody's so you, open you to interpretation. And there's a, a line. standard, right? You said there has to be a standard. And that standard is met with Oscar winning performances or Oscar winning directors. So as long as like you win an Oscar, then you can No, like, because now you're using shit? something that's tangible. And in reality, we're using, like, let's say a measurement of what. Well, we know what good is and we know what bad is, but and there's this happy middle in between between what like is enjoyable. Well, like everybody gets a gold star, go home, and then you'll be okay. And which is the modern world we're living in, right? Right. Where, let's get this a participation trophy to everybody, and that's kind of what's become the downfall of society because that's how you get pussies in America and the pussification right. of America. No, everyone's afraid to tell someone that's shit. And every well, what's worse that bugs me is that everyone's just say this like, so what if it's shit? I like it. And that's what really bugs me. That the fact that it's like, yeah, it's probably fucking sucks. Is no doubt the best band in the world? No. But that, yes. I, that's, that's my favorite fucking band. So <laughs> fuck you. You know, that kind of thing. Like, is no doubt that, you know, whatever. Guns N' Roses, the, no, they, there's a lot of songs that suck. I'm sure to you they suck, but to me, I like them. And I'm afraid to admit that, no, you're right. That probably kind of sucks. But I, li- I really like that song. It's on my workout mix. There's, there's, there's this thing where people don't want to admit that the shit they like sucks, might suck. To the might generally suck, and but isn't that all relative? Like and see, no matter that's what, the art thing. You keep going back to the art thing. You but gotta I evolve mean, past like, that. Like yeah, like no matter what you like, you it's ah, shit, like uh, how would I put it? You know, like shit. I I can't. Well, I have like an idea, but I just don't know if it'll like even like filter through. Yeah, so, like say like like I don't know like everybody likes sugar, but. Diabetics like it, but they can't. 
don't know if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, there has to be. This is the thing, and I'm, I'm using the standard as myself, and I'm like, okay, well, right. this is this, this is that, everything else blows. But I, I just don't. I feel. But the point of that, the point of the, what I'm saying is that people. I don't know if they're afraid or they don't want to, or it's ignorance, or they just. They're You're so used to like a certain state of. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they don't want to admit or realize that something may suck, but it's still enjoyable and and own that. Own it. That's the fuck. I think I made a joke about it with the Coachella thing, right? Like how the everybody that goes to like those music. If you go to Coachella, fuck you. But at the same time, if you like going to Coachella, who gives a fuck if somebody else like, oh, like, yeah, Coachella, like it because you. Going to Coachella, yeah, it sucks. And you're a douchebag if you go to Coachella. But at the same time, who gives, if you like going to Coachella, why does it matter if you're a douchebag if you go to Coachella? You like it. Own it. Own the fact that you that you like something that sucks, right? That's a, that was, I think that was the joke that I made for the Coachella reference specifically. Mm, yeah. Just, so yeah, this is kind of the same thing. Movies are a little bit easier because bad movies are... It's more the norm to like bad movies. Well, think about it. Like A movie can take anywhere from like an hour and a half as opposed to like a song that'll be like maybe... Four minutes or something. How is that relevant to why it's okay for movies and not for music? Attention span. Movie. I'm. What I'm saying is, movies are easy to like. Me, movies. It's okay to like a bad movie, and people are accepted. For music, all of a sudden, it's to each his own. All of a sudden, like, well, that's your interpretation of it. It's all art. It's all. It's all art. It's all interpretation. But there's the standards are met in a certain level, and nobody wants to like. Oh well, actually. Somebody could find David Lynch fucking retarded, and a lot of people do. And yeah, but they don't get it, right? That's what I was gonna say, right? They don't get it, so they're at a certain level of intelligence that they don't meet. That's it. Well, you didn't get it, so you probably that's why you don't like it. Now, as opposed to let's say someone who likes David Lynch and likes movies, now they have a certain set standard, a higher standard of films. If they were to, if me and you love David Lynch, Lost High, I think you introduced me to Lost High. Oh, Lost High is one of of the greatest movies of all time, right? Absolutely. Now, we also both like Happy Gilmore. Are we comparing David Lynch to Happy Gilmore on the enjoyable factor? Obviously not. We obviously both enjoy those movies very much the same. Are we admitting that Happy Gilmore is superior? And I'm sorry, the far less movie to David Lynch's Lost Highway. In terms Highway? of what, like you could say, like you know, Happy Gilmore. In terms of being a movie, laugh, but David Lynch didn't. Nope. Make in me terms laugh. of being a movie, in terms of being a movie, which being one's movie, better? Like means Be, like in what? terms of being a movie. Lost like being Highway. A movie, is a they're movie. both movies, so they're yes, both correct. movies. And which one's a, which one's the better one? In terms of what? In terms of being a movie, they're both movies. So Let's, which one's a better movie? movie? In terms of what? In terms of being a movie. Are we going to do this over and over? I I don't know. You have to have a standard for each one. That's what I'm talking about. No standards for each one because we have a level. Because they're different. If we both like movies and we both know what a good movie is, David Lynch is a good movie. Happy Gilmore is a shitty movie. It was directed bad. It was bad plot. It was bad acting. But it's a funny movie and it's enjoyable. And if you could, you don't. Yeah, I don't, but it's almost like diminish, diminishing in comedy. Almost dimi- to say like uh, comedy cannot be a genius movie. That's not true. Tom, comedy can be a genius movie. But and, like, and in Happy Gilmore, it's not the case though. In Happy Gilmore, it's a very enjoyable film and it's one of my favorite films. And it very takes me back to a childhood. It's and a it hits me in emotional mode. But I'm willing to admit that it's as a filmmaker, that's a shitty movie. I've never made a film. So. Okay, I'm sorry. As a film watcher, that's a shitty movie. And it's, it, what I'm though, comparing so. it to is what I think is a great movie, and that's that's uh, David Lynch. 
They, so uh, I'm using David as an extreme example, no, but you yeah, could use Brian De Palma, you could use Francis Coppola, whatever the fuck you want to use as a, as your extreme. But it, once you have a high quality movie, now let's say my as a music, let's go back. Thelonious Monk is my quote unquote extreme example of what great music is. People that don't reach that standard or musicians that don't reach that standard, they're shitty musicians. But doesn't ruin my enjoyment factor to those kind of films or to excuse me to those kind of music. So right. when I when I when I listen to Nookie over and over again, like, hey, this is a catchy song. It sucks. It's a bad song. And it and especially compared to the Lonely Smoke, which I've set my standard. You have a high standard of what you consider music to be. So everything else that falls under yeah, that Hannah Montana, which everything that falls under that that standard makes it to be shitty in comparison. Whether you enjoy it, it should not diminish the factor what that song means to you specifically or your enjoyment specifically. But you've set for yourself a high standard of what needs to be met and what you consider good. Just because, well, I enjoy this to this factor because it doesn't make it good. It just makes it enjoyable for you specifically. Right. Make sense? No, I get you. I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be like a reference point. And, so like where, and, wherever you bounce off from one point to another, and in that case, to each his own. So once you've set a standard for yourself, that's where that everything else trickles down from. Now, from that, for everybody individually, nobody wants to admit, well, oh shit, well I can't compare it to that, even though I compared that. To, you know, everybody wants to say like, well, to each his own. Artistic. No, you've already set a standard for yourself. You've picked out what you consider good music. You've picked right. out what you consider good movies. You've picked out what you consider good art. It's like it's not even like it's it's not a conscious decision. Like it's like in the correct. back of your head, it's you not. know correct. what you're doing. Like, yes, you know correct. that you like it, and then you know that you don't. Absolutely. No, no, actually, like isn't a factor. You know what's good and what's bad. Like isn't a factor at all. Because like is the only thing. Like, liking is what's countering what you know is good and what you know is bad. That's what's fucking you up with you thinking something's good. Because you like it, oh, now it's good, right? No, not necessarily. Because you like it has nothing to do with the fact that it's good or bad. Nothing at all. And that's what's confusing a lot of people. Well, I don't know. I think. That's what's confusing a lot of people. People, you... You have a really good selection of what good music is and good movies are. Ever now, you're getting that mixed up with what you think is enjoyable and what you like, and you're mixing that up in together. But you have a standard, a subconscious standard of what you think is really good music and what you think are really good movies. Well, like, and everything else is enjoyable. It kind of mixes in on that, yeah. Well, like, like getting back to the Johnny Moore thing, you know, like it's not like I was like the biggest like fucking Smiths fan or mm. Morrissey fan or anything, you know. I, I can appreciate him for what he does. You know, like, again, being like, oh, he's cool for what he does. Like, like do you, you know? Because I know, like, especially with, like, you know, The Smiths, The Cure, and Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. they're, uh... I think we, I think I brought those up comp- convincingly yeah, we, in we, one... About- yeah, no, no, I mean, earlier in this podcast, right? We brought them up yeah, co- consecutively, about- right? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, so you're saying about uh, the Smith, the Peshmer, the Cure. What about them? Uh, they're um, they're like always like the go-to uh, groups for like all for the depression shit, things. right? Yeah. Like, I like to me they're the they're extremists in the sense that um, they're emo before emo. No, which like, it's, not, it's like not even oh, whichever one you want. Uh, give it a go. Like. Um, like, when it comes to, like, you know, bands, and, you know, like, you have, like, your diehard peoples, like, where, like, 
Like, this conversation that we're having, it wouldn't yeah. even apply. Like, if you're even downing it for, like, one little bit, like, yeah. obviously you're the one that's full of shit and you're the mm. one that's wrong in the world. Or whatever. Mm. Like, mm. It, it, like, that whole, like, anti-Trump ignorant thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. just, like... But in a music sense. Yeah. Like, you don't mm. question uh, Dave Gahan or Morrissey right. or right, Robert right, right. Smith because... Mm-hmm. Because they're, like, they're they can do no wrong right, that kind of thing exactly. right yeah mm-hmm. like my sister and Tim Burton okay it's just perfect, one of the things that perfect, I can never get over perfect example perfect no, yeah. yeah because Tim Burton has the plans to the Batmobile for some reason in Grand <laughs> Return yes because without plot explanation oh okay, yeah sure yeah no exactly what I'm talking about though right that's exactly what I'm talking about like especially when artists because there's passion involved and there's dedication and there's connection involved because he did something or she did something whatever the artist was that did something that earlier in the career connected to you in such a sense that you cannot distance yourself from them in what the applicable you know what i mean like oh no this is oh this is a shitty song regardless of whether you like it or not regardless of how emotionally connected you are to that song or album or whatever the fuck you cannot admit to why can't you it's hard for people to admit themselves like oh this might what i like might be bad what i like, that's what i never of, like there's like a better guitar player a better piano player a better singer to or, yourself that's what i'm talking about like yeah. when people say like well teach his own for you yeah well teach his own but you've already set a, le- a standard you've already set to yourself a standard and there's no way you're comparing that level of artistic um expression to the higher level, if you've set this as a standard, I'm I'm, I'm using my hands, but for everybody no, at home, no, yeah, yeah. for everybody at home, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm using like okay, so I've already set, you know, I'm using movies because it's easier. But Tim Burton is a perfect example. I've so I've said Brian De Palma, Scarface, right? One of the greatest movies of all time. I've set him as an example, and my hand is way up here. Or, or Quentin Tarantino. Let's do that, right? So Quentin Tarantino, in my opinion, uh, I don't know if you agree, but. Probably the greatest, off of Scorsese. the greatest film director or artist of our generation. It was, what is that, 90s, 2000s? Was that generation? Like, there's really That's a... That's when he started from... 92. It was in 80... Uh, he wrote stuff before, but uh, Reservoir Dogs came out in 92. Okay, so gotcha. That was like his foray. That's where he became a name for like himself. The name, yeah. So I, I'd like to say from like 90s to 2000s, Quentin Jr., as far as our, direction, our, our generation goes, he's... I'd like to say he's the... The that standard is met for me, right? Quentin Tarantino, as far as right. greatest film directors of all time, right? So now, if I say that I like the film uh, Old Dogs with Robin Williams and John Travolta, no, I won't use that. It's too easy. Michael Bay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, 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 Roadhogs was it? Road, uh, Road, uh, Road Dog, Road. Uh, that was a different movie. Roadhogs is a different film that came out in two thousand. But Old Dogs is a film with Seth Green. Um, John Travolta and Robin Williams horrible. horrible. What was that one about? <laughs> These two like sports advertisement guys that are trying to win, trying to get an account with the Japanese. Not even a specific, but the one Japanese. One of those, just uh, yes, very generic. A, okay. Oh, so bad. Because it sounds like Roadhogs. Did, was it completely ever different in- with Tim Allen and John Travolta <laughs> and and because uh, was there a scene where they were trying to like you know they're trying to take him out to dinner, trying to like. Get the new deal, the big deal. No, like, not in Roadhogs. Roadhogs is a more biker oriented. They go to yeah. Sturgis or some shit. Yeah, it wasn't Sturgis, but it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I know what you mean Ray Liotta and uh, yes, Ray Liotta yeah. who plays the badass, quote unquote, <laughs> quote unquote badass. Oh my god, it's so bad. Well, anyways, like a movie like well, that's that. That's a like, great movie. That's what I've been. Yeah, I'm sure. Gar. So I, let's compare Pulp Fiction 
with uh, Road Hogs with John Travolta. Both movies with John Travolta. Right? I enjoyed the shit at Road Hogs. It was very fun. <laughs> I might have been a little drunk, but I enjoyed the shit out of it. Right? Mm. I set my standard already with Pulp Fiction, so there it's way up here. Now, for me to claim like, oh, I like both of those movies. Of course, I like both of those movies. But to not say that one's better than the other because artistic differences or because to each his own or because whatever the fuck, don't fuck yourself. No, I of course, I've set a standard for myself already on what I consider high quality. Pulp Fiction's way up here. Road Dogs, I love the movie. I like the movie. It made me laugh. So how can I not like it? Right, right. But quality-wise, I'm admitting, I'm very comfortable with admitting what I like might be shit. And Road Hogs is down here. That's an example of music. And how, whatever reason, music is way more touching. Maybe because it's more personable, right? Maybe you called it earlier when you said how it's shorter, so easier to attend the attention span thing, right? Right. The movie's like two hours long, and a song is four minutes. Four minutes of your life that's right there. In well, that movie. it's like like you're watching a movie, and like in like at any given moment, it's like stretching. Like say it is a song. Mm-hmm. Say a movie is a song, mm-hmm. and it's stretching it out. Right. Where right. like you know you hear a song, and there's that part like that makes you sad. It's mm-hmm. like oh man, I like this part. That's a cool lead or a cool riff or whatever. Right. Where, you know, that's in, like, you know, maybe three minutes, minutes tops, five, you know, because yeah. like, it's not a pop song. Three to five minutes, you know, right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, as opposed to, like, watching a movie where it's, like, you know, you know it's going to, it's not that it's going to drag, but, you know, it's going to, you know, take you to the setting. It's separating and, scenes, right, basically. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, it's going to break it down, you know. So, like, you have time, like, we're watching it and, you know, it's Analyze like, oh, it. huh. Like this and that, something's happening. But the same concept uh, uh, applies, whether it's a movie or a song. The same concept applies whether, like, man, I really like this song. And I really like this verse. Man, this song hits me. But, oh, shit. But this isn't the same quality as Mozart, which I like Mozart. If you don't like Mozart, you don't like Mozart. Go, you know, fuck who it. Who is that? But you who said are a, they? Is but that you DJ said a, <laughs> But you said, yeah, who is that? <laughs> what, what? My favorite story, sidetrack. My favorite story from one of these. I got to make sure we're still recording. Uh, we got like about ten minutes left too. Oh, France, oh, yeah. one of the members from France, Ferdinand, a really good good band from the early two thousands. But he he said that he would love slash hate when fans would come come up to the lead singer and go like, "Oh my God, are you France Ferdinand?" Like just without even knowing, like without the historical, like without even knowing the you know was named after was, yeah. right, you know World War One was started, and because <laughs> uh, they thought the whole you know. It's like coming up to Deborah Harry, kind of like, oh, "Are you Blondie? Or is that your name? You know, are you Blondie? Can I get an autograph with you, Blondie?" And like, "Oh, my name is Deborah Harry. I'm the lead so singer." But yeah, Ferdinand, he he said he would love it. Like, no, my name's not Franz. Whoever, you know, I don't know the lead singer's name, but he said, you know, I know who it's fucking Franz Ferdinand is, homie. You know, because I know fucking history, <laughs> dumbasses, right? But he said that he would love slash hate when fans would come up to him, like, "Oh, are you the lead singer? Are you Franz? Are you Franz Ferdinand?" Like, oh my god, yeah, he always fucking eyes. Fun, like like. Like maybe he's like done it at some point where it's like holy cow, yeah, that's so fun. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, he was French. It was French. Was it French? Or was Austrian. it Austrian? Mm-hmm. You're talking so about French? Was, uh, yeah, yeah. So it would be German. Is that what they spoke? Yeah, in German spoken. Uh-huh. It's like oh yeah, that's yeah, France. But no, no. That's pretty good accent. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, <laughs> not bad. like, oh, wow, we met Franz Ferdinand. It's like, yeah. no, you didn't. Like, no, you, you sure didn't, did buddy. You did not meet fucking Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> Are you a time traveler? <laughs> no, you didn't, yeah. But th- that's kind of the same concept, like, I apply to, like, I-, I just don't understand what people's problems. No, I get it. I do understand. And I'm not being fair. But I just think I've- I'm at the level right now where I'm okay with liking shitty shit, and I'm okay with admitting that it's shitty, but I still like it, and who cares if I still like it? Fuck right. you. Like, there's a, f- you know, uh, 
I use Smiths as an example, but Limp Bizkit's a way better example because they're legitimately shitty. <laughs> Have you heard them recently? Yeah, like, so bad. Oh my like, god! Like I forgot what I was like. I was watching a video on YouTube, and it came up on like the like if you like this, then you like, like this. Like, yeah, yeah. Videos related. I was videos. like, oh shit! Like they're still around. It was like a, it was a live. Uh, it wasn't the whole concert. It was just a. Uh, well, he he's like completely bald now. Uh, yeah, Fred Durst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just. Where's the cap or uh-huh. whatever? Wait, and I never noticed, but I guess he was going bald back then too. Yeah, I, he, he I, I never noticed. Never, it. He never had hair. Like, yeah, back then he was receding since he was twelve. That kind yeah, of guy, ba- right? pretty yeah. much, you know. And um, it was a concert that they had. Like it was just like within these past couple of years, I think it was in. I don't know if it was in Prague, Germany. It was in Germany somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, somewhere in Europe where yeah, they're still relevant. Some, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> And it was my And Europeans have bad ass- taste in music, so there you go. <laughs> That's legit. Unless to go that uh, like it was like what he did, um they were they were gonna play break stuff. Okay. And uh to all of those of you out there who know break stuff, yeah, you know. Break some shit tonight. Can Give me some to break. <laughs> So, that's a turbo. <laughs> Great song. I fucking work out that song. Like, do you sucks. remember the video? That dude? song. Yes, I remember. Like, the video is like worse than the song. Dude, I that's think. on top. Of, dude, that's on my workout mix, and I still <laughs> that song sucks. But I rock the shit out of that song because it was fun and enjoyable. Dude, that's, I remember. I remember fucking Limp Bizkit. That's that, like one of those bands that got you pumped up. And that's what yeah. I'm talking about, dude. Like, just because something sucks doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. Just because it means something to you doesn't mean it sucks. Doesn't mean it doesn't suck, you know. That's what I'm talking about. Just because it means something directed to you, and I don't understand what it means to you, doesn't mean that song doesn't suck. So it still like, sucks. it's almost like you have to like kind of like like whatever prestige you meet, whether it's music or whatever thing. It's like okay, it's like right there. That's like the highest point, like in whatever I've ever come across. Because I'm not talking about what what my standard of music is. I'm talking about your standard of music. But your standard music is very high because I know what you like. No, but I like Justin Bieber, and that's like the highest ever. So. Uh, you won. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you won that argument. You got me. Uh, no, man. But your 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 standard of music, I know what you like, and your standard of music is very high. And now everything in comparison, there's a, now you have to be real with yourself. Like, let's be real. Where is that fall? <clears throat> now that does that should not diminish what you enjoy. No, it wouldn't. It, sh- it shouldn't. Look, like this is what I grew up with. Yeah, like, all these records, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, you guys can't real. see it. But. Let's be real, though. Some of these records suck, even though they're old timey and classic. But, and some but of like them in reference to what, like some of them are great, but some a lot of them suck. You know, like I love Chris Jensen. Like I'm just saying, like that's funny. Cheers I'm to that. I'm just saying, man. Like, like it's not about like you having like I don't know like what it is. Mm-hmm. Like just if it reaches you, it reaches you. Like that's just like the general. But that's not what know, we're talking about. You know, because like, we we're both on that same page, right? You know, like I get that. You know, mm-hmm. but like say you know, like I grew up with fucking like you know, uh, like like old school. Like my dad, like he's a big Doors fan. Okay, huge right. Doors fan. So like it was always you know like Jim Morrison, Robbie Krieger. Because mm-hmm. Robbie Krieger is an amazing guitarist. Yeah, she's pretty good. You know, uh, but okay, he's, well, let's like, compare okay, Robbie like, Krieger to Ying Ying Mouse. Okay, yeah, like right, like. There's always going to be like a disconnect. There's always mm-hmm. going to be something better than whatever it is that you like. But 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 like, does it mean that what I like? Where's your standard? And everything else has to fall down. But from you your said standard. there shouldn't be any standard. Though. No, no, that's not what I said. I said individually because I should. My standard is not your standard, Lovey. 
my st- because I don't like the Smith doesn't mean you shouldn't like the Smiths. No, I know it. Like it doesn't phase me at all that way, you know. But because you like the Smiths, but you also like Nine Inch Nails, I'm using these as examples. Just go with me on this. Yeah. But because yeah. I like because you like the Smiths and you like Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails is at a higher echelon, and bec- for you because you like Closer and you also like um, Sorry doesn't mean that they're in the same boat. You know what I'm talking about? Just yeah, because yeah, yeah. you like them both doesn't mean that the qualities should be the same. There should be a differentiation between what you like. From like almost like any given song or any given band or any... Like, I, I'd like to say song just because with band like, oh, for, for me to say like, oh, that whole band sucks. Like, hey, that's not fair at all. Because what if this song is great or this album is great? You know what? You know? Right, right, right. Because it's art. Because you're making stuff individually. And that's why it's easier with songs because they're shorter than movies, right? So... I just feel like for you individually, you have, I know you know what good music is and you have that high standard, but I also know that you like a lot of music. So for you to, because you like it does not mean it's a high quality with the rest of what you like. But it's almost like saying is there's something better than something else that I like that that has to be shitty. Yeah, it has to be shitty. shitty. It has to be shitty. And it also has to be enjoyable. But too many people are afraid to say it's shitty. This is my problem with everybody in general, specifically with you right now, because we're, that's what we're arguing about. That just because you like it doesn't mean it's not shitty. But like, what makes it shitty though? Because there's the, something the, like, the greater, standard, like on that standard that you said. That's that. Uh, it's like that, that gap. Even let's say even the band itself, right? Let's say the band itself with their own songs, without going too deep into it. Thirty-three, Smashing Pumpkins, one of the. My personally favorite song of the Smashing Pumpkins. It's one of them, definitely. Yeah. But Zero, fucking great song. It's also like three chords, or two chords, actually. <laughs> it's like yeah. three. Uh, maybe like you know what I'm talking about. Like four, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Uh, stupid, simple, very catchy. Great song. Fucking work out to that shit. I'll fucking kick someone's ass to that song. I love that song. <laughs> Zero. How, I'm, am I comparing that to 33? Am I comparing it to Disarm? Probably not. If I do compare it as a musical level, but like they're different, and you like that's what, what I'm you talking like, about. that's and what I'm then... talking about. See, see, you know I what did I'm that saying? on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I know you did. Yeah, either. but that's what I kind of. You're kind of. You see what I'm talking no, about. No, I get. Right? I get that. But like, yeah. like, what does it have to be? Well, it's almost like you'd have to like choose your battles. Where like, like, don't compare these songs. Don't compare these artists. Right. Then, Everybody's like, too are, afraid like, to do that. Easy. Why are we so afraid to say like, yeah, it's shitty, but I like it. Why is that such a big deal? Yeah, but what does something have to be shitty just because it's not something else? We're like, making that's... shitty out to be something big as a, like, like oh, it's like so diminishing. There's a lot of great songs that I love that are bad. Why Why is that such a big deal where we're afraid to say, like, no, no, I don't want to call it shitty because because I don't want to compare. Why? Who cares? If I, who cares? Let's be real. It, it's not. It's not as good. You know, it's not as good as the other shit. Why can't we just compare? Why can't we just be honest with ourselves? Why does me say admitting that it's bad have to diminish how much I enjoy it? It shouldn't. And I'm very comfortable with myself saying that, you know what? Yeah, it sucks. So what? Fuck. You think it sucks and you don't like it? That's all you. I love it. And I, and I think it's bad. So that means fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very comfortable. And say, I feel myself very more comfortable saying, like, no, nah, I'm willing to say what the standard is and what's not. Because I have my individual standards. Everybody should have their individual standards. But it's one of those you, establish- you have to make peace with yourself. And I think like so. Whatever, I, I definitely can, think so. Whatever regard. Like, it doesn't have to be anything specific to, like, you know, the music you like, the, the, the movies you like, whatever. It's just, like, you being comfortable, like... You like it, like whatever it 
is absolutely i think so and mm-hmm. everything else is irrelevant but no, not just that not not just that because that's where you got to be careful because once you go through that road where you think that's what you are now you have this whole thing where like you have this whole thing where everyone's like okay well i'm very comfortable with what is what is that kind of thing you know what I'm talking about and everything else kind of like falls in that circle it's not a circle it's it's a it's a chart so I established that this is what I consider oh, great. Like a pyramid scheme? Yeah. <laughs> more more like a chart. Oh, like, it is. But like well I established what is great music and what I know is great music. Especially as a musician, right? And now everything else, like, oh shit, that's not that good music, but that's a great song. Okay, fuck it. It's not that as good a song as this, but I love that song more than I like this. So you know Santa Monica, Everclear, one of my favorite songs of all time. That's a great song. It's a great song. One of my favorite songs of all time, but I, am I comparing that to Lover Man by Charlie? By Charlie, who? Excuse me. Am I comparing that to Lover Man that has fucking Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and Thelonious- Alex Center Man with uh, 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 Nina Simone? Nina Simone. Oh yeah, she's actually she's pretty great. Right? Yeah, oh, she's she's amazing. Yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, I, I did you see the film? I didn't see the film with her. Oh, uh, what? Ha- uh, what's uh, Zoe Saldana? It's Zoe Saldana, who's the African American, which she's actually, uh, what is it, uh, Central America? Which country? I, I thought she was like Puerto Rican or no, no, no. Uh, it's from Central America. Uh, Col- not Colombian. No, uh, Belize, Belizean. Regardless, Shit. but it what the joke I was I gonna make up, was she's playing a uh, African American woman in blackface because <laughs> she's they made her darker in that film. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but you know what I'm saying, right? I think what I'm saying, oh, what I'm reiterating again is the fact that you set a quality for yourself, but nobody wants to break that character because every with art specifically, everybody's just afraid to, everybody's afraid to say like they might like shitty art. Who cares if you like shitty art? You've already set a standard of what you know is good art. Everything that falls underneath it is uh, a hierarchy. But no one wants to say like, well, everybody wants to leave everything open to interpretation. Why can't we have standards? Why can't we have standards? Yeah, why can't we have standards? Why can't we have everything fall into a hierarchy? I think, like, say, like, there were always standards, like, you know, growing up and whatever, you know, there's these things that you can do and you can't do, like, in school, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, say, like, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, where I was in, um, I was in preschool. Mm -hmm. And, um, you're cute as cute as button. Oh no! I was like a fucking Ewok. That, that's what I look like—a fucking Ewok. Okay, and you like, use Ewok as an example. Ewoks are cute as buttons, dude. Well, say like an <laughs> Ewok mixed with uh, the fly and uh, with. No, the, now you're doing the Cronenberg thing. You yeah, messed up. Hey, you messed up because you know I'm you're cute that. as a button. You know you are. <laughs> this you is how we Ewok you. <sighs> <sighs> so anyway, so it was like this long ass table that we sat at, and whatever impulse I had to do it. Like, there was this girl sitting, well, she wasn't even sitting, she was, like, across from me, and she was kind of, like, you know, doing something over here with oh. with some other kid over here. What what grade are you? Uh, or what, how old are you? Preschool. Oh, so, like, five or six years old, right? Uh, if not less. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, like, I don't remember, you know, how old it was. One of your earlier memories, right? Right. Okay. It was preschool, and she was sitting across from me, and, like, whatever impulse I had to do it, I got up. I walked across, like, I don't know, maybe five or six chairs, another one or two, another other five or six chairs. 
I pulled the chair back from under her, the, the girl that was across from mm-hmm. me. Then I walked back the five or six chairs, the one or two, and then the other five, five or six chairs that I was sitting at. I sat down, and then I waited. Okay. Like, I waited. For her to fall. Like, because she's, like, yelling at this kid or trying to do something, like, whatever the fuck. And it was just annoying me. It was <laughs> it was just some, like, fucking, like, uh, sociopath shit. <laughs> no, that's like, not sociopath. That's... That's like, to me. That's like like the justice shit right there, dude. <laughs> like it was just like bugging the shit out of me. So I came back and I sat. Hopefully nobody saw. Like I'm just kind of looking around, not to be too in- inconspicuous. Yeah, you're like, what'd you do, <laughs> right? That, well, you're at that right before like that happened. <laughs> yeah. And then the teacher's like, all right, students take your seats. Like some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just there waiting with like the creepiest like, grin on my face, you know. <laughs> so like, it's like. Like, it was something like, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes flying back. Ah! She starts crying. She's on the floor. And I'm just starting like, like, what'd you do? You know? <laughs> and it was a fucking... Oh, fuck. God damn it. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay, no. So, oh, God, scared. <laughs> and so there's this kid, like, like, pointing. Mm-hmm. Pointing. I remember that, like, the pointing. Like snitching you? Like pointing, pointing at me, like I'm just there, oh, like oh hell no, and I'm just little like, white boy, like, huh? I no, bet little white boy. Mm. So I'm just there, like 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 what? Like like it's like I I didn't have any semblance of like you know trying to like play it off or you know like you know just like hey don't don't let yourself get caught you know like I was just there and I don't think anybody saw me so I'm just there you know and somebody's pointing at me I'm like what like. Like, yeah, yeah, qua, qua, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, some kid, like, ratted me out. They called my parents. And, what? Yeah. Like, I remember I used to be bad in it. Like, like when I was a kid, I used to be bad, you know, one of those. Mm. Like, man, I don't know, man. Like, there was, like, a sandbox that we had, like, in the playground, like, when we, whenever we had recess. Mm-hmm. There was a sandbox, and then there was, like, this part that's, like... It was, like, kind of like a sink. Like, this big sink where you could, like, wash these fake dishes. And there was this, like, weird fake soap that yeah. blew bubbles. So, what I used to do... I used to get, like, a pail from the sandbox. I used to bring it over. I used to, like, you know, like, take it to the to the sink to get yeah. the soapy water. I used to get it, and I used to bring it back to the fucking sandbox... And he's just trying to, like, build, like, these fucking whack-ass castles. <laughs> and then, they're, like, the only reason I got caught that time, I remember because there was this kid next to me that he was trying to do some shit, you know? And he's like, because I kept pouring the water. He kept fucking up his castle or yeah. whatever he was trying to do. Because <laughs> he was just, like, playing in the sand. But I was trying to make it into a sandcastle, you know, like, mud and all this shit. And then the teacher came in again. And, like, I don't remember what, like, she said to me, but, I like, I remember my parents coming back, like... Oh, my God. What are we going to do with this kid? It was just very reminiscent to, like, high school. Yeah. Like, getting, like, caught up, like, ditching and shit like that. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of funny, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I like those uh, old Youth. school stories, yeah. Like, I don't even know how I remember all this shit, but I remember that. Like, it's somewhat vividly. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. <laughs> and it's been Independence Day. I love that movie. It's shitty though, but it's a good. Oh, that's <laughs> the reason it. I got into Independence Day. Is... 
Well, that's what I was talking about, man. No, I got you. Um, to eat their own. No, I'm just kidding. I dare you. How dare you? I got you, man. Like I understand. I understand what you're saying. But it, it's like, like, I'm I'm even too drunk to try to make a point about it at all. But I get what you're saying. I get. I get. What like you're saying. it's um. Like, you come across something that's always, like, going to be, like, a higher, like, a higher grade to something. Like, uh, being in uh, music, like, in elementary, middle school, and high school. Yeah. You know, uh, like, my thing, it wasn't jazz. It was uh, orchestra. I was in orchestra. And, like, I always saw, like, man, you know, like, they had, like, all these, like, amazing composers doing all this shit. Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, Beethoven. It's cliche. Mm-hmm. As it is. Like he's my favorite composer, Josh Groban, right? Josh Groban, huh. Josh Groban, Clay Aiken. Actually, real quick, I just want to make it clear because I'm not sure if I'm clear. I'm not comparing like what you like to what I like, and then that quality. You know, I'm not. I'm not comparing that. I don't know if that's what you took away from it, or I don't know what the listeners took away from it. But I'm not. To be clear, I'm not saying like, oh, well, what I like is high quality and what you like is shitty quality. So that's well, how I'm I like it. shitty quality because I like AM radio. So what I'm comparing is what you like with the best that you like is your high quality. and Everything else is, is a hierarchy underneath that. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. What I'm saying hmm. is what I like is what I consider high quality. There's people out and then everything else underneath that. Right. But everybody else lumps everything in like, well, I like this high quality and I like this, even though it's low quality, but I like that. So I'm lumping it all into the same what I like, even though there's people out in the world right now that like uh, what's easy. Uh, Justin Bieber. I was going to say Selena Gomez, but Justin Bieber, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber is their high quality. That's the best music they've ever heard. And they're lumping everything so else. sad. Yeah, that is pretty sad. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> very depressing. <laughs> but they're lumping everything else they've heard into that what they like quality, even though they don't. You know, I'm saying. You know, what I'm saying like that's their standard, and everything else falls underneath that. So if they hear something like uh, Migos or uh, <laughs> or fucking Chris uh, Brown, <laughs> falls underneath that because to them that's like oh well. I like Justin Bieber's song, even though it has nothing to do with musicianship. You so know what I'm saying? Anybody that wants to make that distinction, like, that, like, oh, to each their own, where obviously they haven't had that uh, dynamic. Well, the, I mean, it's still to each their own, but you have, but they're lumping everything together. It's to each their own, but it's what the best that you've heard. There, That's the hierarchy, and that's the standard. And now everything falls underneath that. You know what I'm talking about? So the best song that you've ever heard, or the best musicians that you've ever heard, that's where you hold Billy them. Billy Joel Armstrong. Billy Joel Armstrong. That really? Oh, I'm okay. Just <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the best you've heard, and that everything else falls. There's a hierarchy, so it has to do a triple down pyramid thing. I think that's human. Like you, th- like you know, it's almost like you know, like the way like. It's in our nature to, you know, find patterns and things, you know, to like... I was going to say the opposite, because I think the opposite, with art specifically, everybody wants to lump everything together because they like this or they like that. Because honestly, I felt that way when I was younger with like, let's say comedies, right? I thought, now I think, honestly, like Wes Anderson films are some of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, And I thought growing up like, oh... 
Dumb and Dumber was the best. Now, am I comparing Farley Brothers to like Wes Anderson films? Man, that's tough, right? Because w- which one makes me laugh more or louder? Well, obviously Farley Brothers, but which one's clever and which one's a better movie? It's like, well, obviously Wes Anderson. It's almost um, Wes Anderson, yeah. Right. So it's it's huh. it's intricate, right? Now, what if I'm being real with myself? Okay, well, quality wise and filmmaking wise or film washer wise, obviously Wes Anderson's a better filmmaker, but Farley Brothers made me laugh more. But just because I enjoyed something more. I'm okay with that being like okay. Well, that's a lower, that's a blue collar version. Well, and I think that's like, what that's kind of where we're getting at, or what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. See, I like comparing uh, like either one, Wes Anderson or Feather Brothers. So, mm-hmm. like, say Laurel and Hardy or the Marsh Brothers. Great, great example. Perfect, great example. Because you know why? Because have you read the preaching it out? I let you borrow the preacher comics, right? Yeah. They make that perfect example where they said specifically, if you like Chaplin, you don't give a fuck about. You, that was in you, the cafe. Was it the cafe? Uh, it was in a dinner scene where they're having yeah. like a where, yeah where they're having like he talks about having a quiche and I have a great <laughs> I, I have a great recipe for a quiche. You make it, throw it out, and make a steak instead, bitch. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he talks about that like if you like Chaplin, you, you don't give a fuck about plot. You're like slapsticky. If you like Lauren Hardy, you give a fuck about plot, and you like it. Like There's he had his line. standard. He has his. That was his standard about what he considered quality. Literally, that's like kind of what we're talking about now. Right, right. The, like he had a set level of what was quality. Everything else fell underneath that qua- of what he had the highest level. But most people w- wouldn't tell you that. Most people would be like, well. I like this and I like that, so it's all in the whatever I like pile instead right. of the quality pile. People don't want to admit that some shit is bad, even though you like it. It doesn't have to be good just because you like it, you know. Like, That's how I feel about it. Like I remember one of the film classes that I took at uh, LBCC, mm-hmm. and uh, we were like, it's not that we were just watching all these different things. We were watching like um, I can't remember that Korean movie. I remember I bought the movie. He was like a very prominent Korean director. Like, his action movies were, like, the shit. Yeah. But I remember we talked about, like, we watched, uh, I don't remember the Lauren Harder. Lauren. Lauren Hardy, yeah. Lauren Hardy. And, um, By the way, you know there's a movie being made by Lauren Hardy? No shit. And guess who's playing Who? Hardy? Who? Talk to me. John C. Riley. No shit. Legit. <laughs> right? Isn't that the best casting That's ever? Great, man. We were just talking about it earlier. Oh, oh my God. Oh, who's uh, uh I'm not sure yet. I don't know who it is yet, but I oh, know for sure. Awesome, I know for sure John C. Riley's playing him. So I was like, oh, yes. Absolutely, yes. Because, like, with them, it wasn't just about, you know, just like, you know, just goofy shit happening. It whatever, wasn't slapsticky. You know? yeah. Because it had a plot. There, mm-hmm. there was, like, something happening, like, at this point in the movie. And, mm-hmm. then, like, I remember, like, I don't remember what community it was that they filmed this in. Because, like, a lot of it was in the studio, like, back then. But, uh, like, I remember, like, uh, the professor was talking about, like, yeah. oh, yeah, well, like, the thing behind this scene was... Yeah, like, the stairs of episode of the piano like, episode oh, going up the shit. stairs. Like, right, shit like, like that, It's, yeah. like, super interesting shit. Like, I love that stuff. But, you know, I think, like, if you really have, you know, like, an appreciation for... Like movies, and it's not just like a form of entertainment. It's something to keep you busy for the next hour and a half. Right. It's something right. that can like, like I don't know, keep you in tune to yourself, to somebody next to you, to yeah. something, to something else. Just and that they really set the template because they really led. You know, before you know, you got Lauren Hardy, then you have Abbott and Costello. I mean, you Abbott you go that into now, absolutely. fucking James Allen Bob. Now you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that eventually leads to that. You know, like that's that's like. 
it's a precedence. Stand on the shoulders of giants, as more right, scientists right, right, say. Right, right. It's the same thing with entertainers, and they they really set a precedence with how uh, not just like Marx Brothers is a perfect example because I think I've told you about this before. But if you watch a lot of Marx Brothers movies. There's a lot of inside innuendos. There's a lot of those kind of jokes where like, oh shit, they're not talking about you know they're talking about this, they're talking about that, and, right, like, right, right. and it makes you laugh in the sense where like I get the joke and I want to be in on it and I'm in on it, so that's why I'm laughing first, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that stuff. Laura Hardy really set the precedence for that, you know, in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And not to take away from Chaplin or or Buster Keaton. But they were definitely more slapsticky. They were definitely up until well, the dictator with with uh, Chaplin, where he actually got oh. a little bit political. But it was they were the Jackie Chan's of their era for the silent film. That's, Is that uh, the best Bush way to Keaton, put it? Especially, absolutely, like yeah. doing his own stunts and doing, doing the his crazy own stunts. Shit yes, yes, that he did back yes. then, and like, not like. Like that one, um, the one where you know he's sitting on a chair mm-hmm. and the, like the barn, the far, the the frame the falls fr- yeah. on top of him. Yeah. Dude, like how? Right. Like yeah. that is not fucking CGI. Yeah, that is not calculations like... for that shit, right? And yeah. like even like any of the other stuff that he does, where he fucking broke or like dislocated his shoulder or did this or yeah. that because he misstep. Yep. Uh, the like, well, the wow, sacrifice man. he does for the art, right? That's right, what it's exactly. all about. That's what it's all about. Sacrifice for art, right? But like, uh, man, like, how could like like, unless like you're in, I, I don't even want to say like if unless you're into that circle of things, you know. But yeah, unless like you know like you come across like a fact like that. Say like you were like you know just walking down the street, and somebody said like, "Hey, Buster Keaton fucking did this and that." Like, wow! Like, really? Like, like, like I always thought like, say you never been exposed to it, and um. Somebody telling you, like, fucking, like, oh, this is stupid. This isn't, like, you know, nowadays we have, like, CGI to do. Right, stuff. right, right. But that's art. That's, like, you know, like, you know, the, these people that made, you know, the, you know, like, the whole, that straight away from, like, you know, the whole stigma from artists, uh, actors and actresses, you know, doing what they did back in the day. You know, right, like, right, you know, right. You know. To like you know it, to reach that level of prestige, right? Because he did that. I, I feel he did that. You know, like you know, doing his own stunts and like like all the things that he went through physically, like as a person, yeah. not even as an actor or whatever. I, you know, I gotta give it up. I, I mean, there's definitely it, it, like I said before, it's standing on the shoulders of giants. Because really, in reality, yeah, Chaplin was the first one who was successful beyond. What and it meant to be an actor because we've talked about it before on the podcast, but they didn't mean the same thing. Actor, what it means now, actor right. back then meant you're on like, the same level as prostitutes, porn, yeah, porn star, or yeah, por- yeah. you know, pornography. And then once the fame hit and the fame factor hit with Chaplin, Chaplin was really the most successful. And once that fame level hit, then every actor started kind of riding on those coattails. And then the Tinseltown era came, the Hollywood thing came eventually, but it did suffer from it. Buster Keaton was one of those guys who. As far as competition goes, it was literally head to head between Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. Have they made a movie yet? Because they should probably about them two rivalry. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's literally. But you have Tesla, you have Edison, you have Chaplin, you have fucking uh, Douglas Buster Buster Douglas, and people don't like. Uh, who's another one? Like Elon Musk. Who who's his rival? Uh, the dude from Virgin Airlines. What's his name? Um, <laughs> what's the guy that owns Virgin Airlines? I forgot his name. Virgin? It was in Pan Am? No, man. That's like... No, I'm talking about... 
That's funny. Let's edit that. We're we're really past the like we're like at three and a half hours right now. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. But it was great. I love this. It was a good one. We man. gotta do more old school, dude. We got <laughs> we have to do more old school episodes because these are always really fun. Hey, I appreciate fuck it. I appreciate everybody listening to the uh, at home, dude. If you have any questions, concerns, bitches, moans, complaints, please email us. Please Twitter us. Please fucking comment on us. Uh, Lo, what's your Twitter handle? My Twitter is Lofomatic. That's also your no. Your Instagram is Static and Television, correct? Static and Television, yes. Uh, and your just Facebook is Luis Medell, right? Luis Medell, yeah. For me, my Facebook is Steve Medell. My Instagram and my Twitter is Steve Medell seventeen seventy five. You can find me on there if you guys have any. Please hit us up. Hit us up on the Snooze and Booze uh, Instagram. That's where uh, we spend most of our time. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All the hashtag. You have any questions? We'll, we'll answer them. We'll give you a shout out. No worries. Any topics you want us to cover? We'll we'll do our best to uh, debate over them <laughs> or argue over them. That's how we do, man. That's how we do. <laughs> yeah, we're having some fun here. I appreciate everybody listening. Please continue. Hey, by all means, tell a friend. Tell a friend. That's the best way you can. If you want to help out the podcast, please tell a friend. Help uh, help everybody. Um, we can. You can find us on Stitcher, right? Yeah, we're on Stitcher. Stitcher, Podomatic, uh, of course. Um, I tune in. We're on TuneIn, iTunes, TuneIn. And, of course, iTunes. iTunes. That's where you guys will find us. And leave us a review, please. We'd appreciate it, especially if you're on iTunes. Leave us a review. All right. With any other further ado, this has been the Snooze episode. 110? Uh, 110. No, 110. 110. That's a big one. This has been episode of one because Christians, I forgot about Christians. Oh, yeah. oh wow, behind the scenes, right? Fuck, sorry guys. This is make a movie about this podcast, like in a couple <laughs> yeah, of years. sure they will. <laughs> this episode episode eleven, uh, episode one eleven, bring you uh, t- um, tears, tears, fears, tears, and pretty good beers. Tears. <laughs>